For streaming, creating, gaming, and more, power your passions for less during Dell's exceptional cyber savings event. Enjoy up to $400 off stunning laptops like the XPS, along with high-performance desktops and next-level Alienware systems, redefining what's possible with 10th-gen Intel Core processors. Shop special prices on top-brand electronics and accessories, plus enjoy free shipping on everything. Don't forget to ask for Intel when you call 1-800-BUY-DELL. That's 1-800-BUY-DELL. Hello, it is Tuesday, January 29th, 2018. I'm so thankful that you chose to listen to the Pat McAfee Show 2.0. Today's a good one. We got old Chucky Pagano in there. Yes, Chuck Pagano, Coach Pagano, the defensive coordinator for the Chicago Bears, joins us for a conversation. He was my head coach for five years, four years, and we learned a lot about each other. And today we dive deep into a story of beating cancer, coaching, his life, and what he's going to do in Chicago. It's an awesome awesome thing just like this special that SeatGeek is running right now we have a special discount for the super bowl get three three $300 off super bowl tickets with the code pat 300 that's $300 off super bowl tickets with the code pat 300 you can use this even if it is not your first SeatGeek order SeatGeek is the presenting sponsor of the pat mcafee show 2.0 the first ever sponsor of the pat mcafee show 2.0 mm. and very thankful that they're doing this incredibly stupid special get three hundred dollars off of Super Bowl tickets right now with the code PAT300 when you download the SeatGeek app. It doesn't have to be your first order, so go ahead and buy some Super Bowl tickets and resell them. Buy some Super Bowl tickets and go see the big game. Do whatever you got to do. Just do it for $300 cheaper, and as always, you can get $10 off your first SeatGeek purchase with the code PAT. So maybe that's $310 off your first purchase if it's the Super Bowl tickets. I'm not sure. So if you're a high roller, use the code PAT300, and if not, that mega discount for the Super Bowl, use code PAT for $10 off. Also, today is brought to you by the Action Network. The Action Network is the one-stop shop to make you a better gambler. Todd, I believe, is 35 and like 8 since joining the Action Network. Mm -hmm. All you do is read articles on who to bet on and why. They also allow you to keep track of your bets. So whenever you make your bet on said website, like my bookie, it links and syncs to the Action Network and lets you track it right there. Green Dot City is what we're looking for. And also, you can win money at the Action Network. Yes, the Action Network has free prop contests. Yes, there's an NFL Super Bowl prop contest that I put together. You answer five simple questions, and if you get the most right, the most points, you could win $1,000 cash. $1,000 cash for no cost, a minute and a half of your time, mm -hmm. and with your big brain, you're guaranteed to win. Go to the Action Network and download it. Also, get 40% off the Edge promo for Super Bowl week right now at the Edge subscription. And Edge is giving you the edge on other gamblers and on your bookie. Mm -hmm. Go ahead and make your bookie your bitch this week with the Action Network and their incredible brains and articles. The Edge subscription is 40% off for Super Bowl week. The prop contest is free for $1,000 cash. Go and have a good time and be a much smarter gambler with your friends at Action Network. Now, ladies and gentlemen. Joining me now is a man that is coached all over the country, in college, and also in the NFL. He was the head coach of the Indianapolis Colts for a long time, had an incredible run, but now you can see him as the defensive coordinator for the Chicago Bears. Ladies and gentlemen, former coach of mine, friend of mine, we traveled the world together, Chuck Pagano. 
That's a classic. I wouldn't expect anything but that from you. You're the best. <sighs> I'm nowhere near. Thanks as... for having me, bro. Hey, I'll tell you what. This is the the big. What is it? White whale is what they call it. Is yep. That... The Greek White Buffalo. This is the guest that was impossible to book. Now I got you on here, and I'm so excited to chat with you. <laughs> Not impossible. You're a busy oh. man. You're a busy man these days. Your life went from being a head coach for the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, obviously, business and everything happens in the NFL. You separate from there. You had the year off where in your press conference with the Bears, you were talking about basically you were just driving your beautiful bride crazy. Is that correct? That's it. That's yeah. It was really like I said. It was really dicey the first month and a half, you know, trying to adapt back into her life, and she wasn't having any of it. You know, I was, you know, asking her things that I was asking assistants at the deal, you know, at the office, this, that, and the other, and she finally just said, "Hey, time out, time out. I have a life. I've always had a life. I have a routine, whether you believe it or not." So. You need to chill out is what you need to do. And we need to figure something out or this ain't going to work. She's like, listen, coaching guy. All right. You're normally at the office for 14, 15 hours a day. I don't need to deal with your bullshit right now. Now that you're out of work right now. Is that correct? Basically, you know, cause like I said, you get, we get up early. So you're up early. You do your coffee, you know, get your workout in maybe two, maybe three. Do some honeydews, do the chores around the house, empty the dishwasher, do some laundry, run something, you know, run a few errands, and it's only noon. And I'm trying to figure out what the heck am I going to do because we're there till 10, 11, 12 at night. We said, what's the rest of this day going to look like? And that's where it got a little dicey. <laughs> what did you do? You've been in coaching for so long, so, so long. I, I think we, it goes back like 30 years, I believe. You've just been coaching and grinding. You find your way at the mountaintop being a head coach in the NFL. Then you separate. What did you do with your time there when you weren't doing your honeydews? You worked with the NFL, am I correct? Yeah, yeah, I did some consulting, you know, with the uh, with the officials up there. So that was kind of my football fix, Pat. A couple days a week, I did that, you know. But thirty three years, and then having no team, first time in thirty three years, and you know, after playing, you know, high school and college and the National Football League for as long as you did, there's always that when you're done or you don't have a team. You know, I understand now why guys get sideways and, you know, veteran players who play for so long and they don't think it's ever going to end. But I didn't have a team. You know, my family didn't have a team. My wife, my daughters, my granddaughter, we had nobody to root for. And so um, that was a little bit different. But anyway, you know, like I talked about in the presser, and I've, I've said all along the three R's, reset, recharge, you know, and reflect. So the beauty of it was I got to do uh, a ton of things, you know, with my family that I'd missed um, over the years. You know, they sacrifice way more than, than we sacrifice because uh, you miss so much, especially my, you, you know, my, my girls growing up. And, and Tina just did a phenomenal job of raising them and basically raised them by themselves. So I got a ton of family time in. Um, like I mentioned, you know, during my, my bout, with uh, cancer in 212, you know, one of my, the vision I was living, I was going to walk two more daughters down the aisle and, and dance at their weddings. So my youngest Tori uh, got married. I walked her down the aisle and you know, I had my sweet Ferragamo's on <laughs> and I was, I was, Hey, 
and you know I was dancing like a mofo, Pat. I was getting it now. I, uh, I, I in my head, I just that was, I thought of you dancing uh, at that wedding, and I, I thought of your daughter, just like this was the moment that my dad was was fighting for, and you on a dance floor. I mean, you get loose out there with those old Italian ass feet. <laughs> you know I can moonwalk with the best of them, probably as good or better maybe than the great Michael Jackson, you know. But anyway, so. Did that stuff, checked some bucket list stuff, you know, went to Costa Rica with Tina, oh. went to the Masters, the wedding, like I mentioned, you know, so uh, did a lot of, lot of fun things, played a lot of golf, a lot of family time. Uh, so, again, it was, it, it, was, it was a great time to just, like I said, just recharge, worked out a ton. You know, I love that Peloton oh, bike. Yeah. You and I talked about that, right? Let's go. Let's get on. You so said you were doing yeah. two rides a day. Were you trying to fucking kill yourself out there? <laughs> you said you were doing two rides a day well well you know you there's a lot of time in the day you know and so <laughs> when you have a lot of time on your hands you're trying to figure out what to do next you just go back downstairs and hop on the bike again okay so was there ever a time during all of that where you thought your coaching days were done were you like whenever you and the colts uh separated was there a time or any thought at all that you know what i might be done coaching forever or did you know that you were going to come back into it regardless no i at right at that moment there was nothing that i wanted to do other than just get away from it you know that you know that first week two weeks you know but after you know i always knew i'd, I'd want to come back i didn't care what it was i didn't need to be a head coach i just wanted to coach football and I wanted to get, you know, back on the field and, and, and be with the coaches and be with the players and, and the grind and, and the competition and the competing. And, you know, there's nothing like, you know, game day in those three hours and five minutes. And, and then those moments that we share, you know, after, after huge wins, you know, there's, that's why we sacrifice everything. So I knew uh, I always wanted to, to be back initially. You know, you say, well, you know, we'll see, you know, but it didn't take long. Uh, being away from a path that, uh, you know, that I knew that uh, I missed it, um, missed it dearly and wanted to get back. Yeah, you're a football guy, a football lifer. And I asked you last week on the phone off air, I said, what is it going to be like not being the head guy anymore? And in your press conference, you you alluded to how it's Nagy's team and everything like that. But you told me that you just miss coaching like you because as a head. Did you feel as like a head guy? You couldn't uh, coach as much because you kind of had to handle everything else that was happening and you hired coaches to coach. Is that something you missed whenever you were being a head guy? Yeah, you you get pulled in so many different directions, you know, sitting in that seat. You know, and you've, you know, not, never experienced that before, Indy. Uh, you don't realize it, you know, and going to the owners' meetings for the first time after I was hired in Indy in 212, and, you know, uh, not one, but, you know, almost every single coach, you know, that was there, head coaches that have been through it already, they all said, don't get away from coaching. As, as hard as that, that may seem, you got to stay, but you get pulled in so many different directions. And that's the one thing that, you know, being an assistant for 28 years before I got the opportunity uh, in Indianapolis that, you know, you, 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 just because as soon as you get into a meeting room, Pat, you know, there's, you've been there five minutes, knock on the door, and, you know, somebody's asking about, you know, this, that, and the other. Uh, so you, you do get pulled, you know, in a lot of different directions, and, and, uh, but you do miss the, the hands-on. There was a lot of times 
especially, you know, when it's stuff coming across your desk that you don't even want to look at and you don't even want to deal with that. You just say, man, I wish I just was coaching the secondary. You know, why couldn't I just be, you know, Tom McMahon today? Why, you know, why couldn't I just be at the, you know, just doing my own little deal with my own guys in the room and, you know, coach the tight ends and have three guys and Jackie Dwayo and Swope, all those guys and, you know, Dwayne, just, you know, just worry about those three dudes, you know, so. I just, again, I, I just, you know, we love, we love coaching. We love being around the players. We love helping guys grow and, and the camaraderie of the whole thing and the competition. And Chuck's great. We're about to dive deep too. There, there is plenty more where that man is coming from. It's, it, it's such a fun conversation and I hate to break it up, but I have to, cause somebody has got to keep the lights on here mm-hmm. and the particular company that wants to help out today is a beautiful company that I put right there on my thighs and guys. You know what I'm talking about, Tommy John. If your big Valentine's Day surprise consists of a bouquet of supermarket roses and drugstore chocolates, then the only surprise is that you think that's memorable. Rethink what a Valentine's gift can be with Tommy John. The most comfortable men's and women's underwear on the planet. A gift that's not only unexpected, but genuinely needed. Tommy John is redefining comfort comfort for men and women with luxuriously soft, feather-light, moisture-wicking underwear that moves with you, not against you, with no pinching, no bunching, and no riding up. It's no wonder Tommy John has sold over 6 million pairs. Wow. Those are 6 million happy thighs, at least. (laughs) Well, 12 million happy thighs, I guess, unless it's one-legged men or women buying it. You get it. Mm -hmm. If you're still looking for a Valentine's Day gift, their limited edition loungewear and underwear, including matching his and her sets, are the perfect alternative to boring and played-out cliche bullshit gifts. Last year, the limited edition collection sold out in less than a week, so don't wait until the last minute. And with Tommy John's best pair you'll ever wear, it's free guarantee. If you don't love the first pair, you'll get a full refund. So there's no excuse not to buy the gift of comfort they truly deserve. Tommy John, no adjustment needed shop limited edition valentine's day gift sets and get 20 percent off your first order at tommyjohn.com slash heartland that's t-o-m-m-y-j-o-h-n.com slash h-e-a-r-t-l-a-n-d for 20 percent off only at tommyjohn.com tommyjohn.com slash heartland well you know they say heavy is the head that wears the crown Right. And that, I think you got to experience that. I mean, there's only 32 head coaches in the NFL. It's a very difficult job. Your first stint as a head coach, you didn't know what to expect. You were you were in a new city. It all kind of happened so fast. And then in, I think it was week five, maybe week four or bye week. You get told that all of a sudden you have leukemia, that you have cancer. So your dream has come true. You're a head coach now. You moved your family to a new city. Then wham, you get kind of blindsided by cancer. How did that affect? Do you think your entire rhythm of your first head coaching year, maybe your uh, outlook as being a head coach or on life or anything like that, how did that experience change you for the better or change you for the worse? Either or. Yeah. um, You know, sitting at that desk after you accept the job, you go through, you know, the press conferences and all the TV, all that stuff that you have to do. I can remember vividly sitting in Coach Caldwell, you know, my office that you know coach caldwell's old head coach in office and i was sitting at the desk there and it was just tina and i in the dusted settle we looked at each other and said you know what do we do now or what do we just do to ourselves you know yeah. and you know so i started looking through the drawers and looked for the head coaching manual there's no manual <laughs> you know so you just take it you just take it one day at a time and you've worked and you've watched guys and you've learned along the way and i was around so many great 
coaches and 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 you know head coaches and mentors and things like that but there's really no manual for it let alone like you said you know we just lost that devastate had that devastating loss at jacksonville you know blaine gabbard hit cecil shorts yep. you know we just took the lead 22 17 whatever and uh you know he hits him on with 50 some seconds go right hits that 80 yarder and we lose that game you know and then I had had, you know, the bruising going on. I had some fatigue, but I just thought that was football stuff. Then I do some blood work after that game. And you know, Pat, you know, when the schedule comes out, you want your bye week to be somewhere, you know, middle of the season, right? Yep, late. Even. You know, where middle you got, late. if guys, you know, eight, nine, week 10, yeah. you know, you're, you're playing well, you're winning. Now you got some guys dinged up and it's, you know, it's, it's great to have that in the, you know, more towards the middle of the season. And that turned out to be a blessing in disguise because I probably would have never got, you know, gone in and got checked and, and got blood work. So yeah, so you get hit, hit across the face, you know, across the head with a two by four, um, you know, coming off that loss with one and two, and you're trying to navigate the waters and keep the team together. You know, so you remember we practiced Tuesday, Wednesday, yeah. right? Yep. You and had good you energy let, there, too, but hey, you had we good took e- the team. Remember, remember we took the team photo Yep. on Wednesday? Yep. We had the short practice, and then all the coaches and all the players were off for four days. And that's when, you know, I got some blood work done, and then they said, well, your counts came back, you know, off. You need to, we made your appointment to go see uh oncologist down at Simon Cancer Center. And you're like, what? You got to be kidding me, right? Yep. Nope. And make sure, you, and they go, make sure your wife takes you. Oh, shit. So you go down there. What's that initial reaction doctor, right there? Are you scared at all? Never. Never scared. Okay. Never scared. Right. Just like, it's just like, why me? You know, why now? Yep. You know, you just get your dream job, opportunity of a lifetime. You know, got a wife and three daughters and three granddaughters counting on you. So you're like, you know, can't be true. I never believed it for one second until I sat in front of Dr. Larry Kripe, you know, said, you know, once I got down there, he said, I'm 99% sure you got APL, which is a form of leukemia. Um, We're going to do bone marrow biopsy uh, just to make sure. But there you go. And so remember Robert Mathis after the Jacksonville game, he said, you know, you know, there's no pity parties in life. There's no pity parties in football. We'll man up, come in tomorrow, watch the tape, and we'll move on, and we'll get better. So those words kind of resonated me with me right then, you know, when he told me that. And so I just said, hey, I just looked at the doc and said, what are my chances? What are the odds? What's the game plan? What do I got to do to beat this? Holy, and was it on that day where he said, uh, it's going to be a fight, you're going to have to battle, but I think we can get you back in a couple months, and that was when you decided, all right, I'm going to be back by the end of this year? Is that when you made that decision? Yeah, they, you know, he told me exactly what the, you know, uh, induction phase was, what I was going to go through. I was probably going to be in the uh, hospital for a month and then uh, do some outpatient chemo for two more months, and and if everything goes according to Hoyle, you know, you, you could possibly get back, you know, but then you just take it, you know, one day at a time. But, um, again, by, you know, I was at the right place at the right time, with great doctors, great support, and great care and all that stuff. And the way you guys played as a team and performed and, you know, I stayed connected, you know, cause I, cause I had the setup, had the film, had the whole thing down there. So I had a distraction, you know, I had something, you know, besides my family and my daughters and my granddaughters 
but the team, just watching you guys play and, and watching Andrew in the fourth quarter comebacks, one after another after another, that was my that was the best medicine that I could have ever received. Did. Just knowing that that's sitting there, you know, and watching they inspired me, and I said, you know what, you know, he told me what the survival rate was, and and it was high, you know, because of research. That's why we do what we do today, so we can help, you know, try to stamp out all blood cancers. Um, but, but anyway, it, uh, I've always had great perspective, you know, on things, Pat, but, you know, that really taught me, you know, um, we know what the expectations are, uh, with our jobs. You know, we know it's a bottom line business. Um, you win, you stay. Uh, if you don't, you're out. If you're a player, you produce, you're, you stay. And if you, if you don't, you're, they move on. It's pretty simple. You know, we know life's tough. So as soon as you figure out that life's tough, it starts getting a hell of a lot easier. <laughs> So I got great perspective. We keep in perspective. We're coaching and, and playing a kid's game, and, and let's don't make too much out of it. The Chuck Strong Foundation has raised millions and millions and millions of dollars for research to help what you had to go through, help others that are going through what you're going through. What was the process of the actual chemo and day-to-day? Were you watching practice film in between getting chemo bouts and shit like that? Was that, was that the day-to-day for you, and how long were you in that hospital for so I was there 26 days. Okay. And so right when they, they did the bone marrow biopsy, because I, I, Tina picked me up at work. I didn't have anything with me. So I said, well, I'm going to run home and, and, you know, get some clothes or whatever, right, and get my dog kit and my toiletries. And he's like, no, you can't leave. I said, well, I don't have anything. He's that's all right. We're going to take your wife. She'll go down and do the paperwork, get you admitted. you got to go downstairs to the, to the uh, OR and get uh, um, get a pick line put in, and then they start pumping. And then thirty minutes later, I was in a room, and they were pumping uh, antibiotics into me, steroids into me, and the chemo. So I did that for for twenty six days in there, and and finally got into remission. That's when they let you go home, and then I I did you know two more months of it at, at home. And but the, like I said, they set me up. You know, I had a laptop there. Um, you know, I hate these devices. You know, and the social media deal and all that stuff and dealing with you and the players and everybody, you know, tweeting this and tweeting that and Facebook, FaceTime, MySpace, my, my whatever, you know, Instagram, come on, you know, but thank God for technology because that's how I stay connected with the team. That's how I stay connected with you guys. You know, and they'd bring me down the hard drives from practice. They bring and and you know hard drives from the game. And when you when I you know could see on the on the TV, you know, Mister Ursi, we didn't have the NFL Network at the hospital when he first came down. That changed. And he I says, assume. "You, yeah, yeah." <laughs> and he's like, "You got it. You got, he says, "You got to be able to watch NFL football." <laughs> you know, so. <laughs> Brother, you gotta hey, be able to see the games, brother. Yeah, he was he was the best, and he, he took such great care of me, Pat. You know what a good man he is, what yep. a great man, and the heart that he has. I mean, he did everything for me, and he stood by me. You know, there's a there's no telling in that situation what a lot of guys would do, but he but he but he took care of me, and he stood by me, and had my back, and and we didn't have the NFL Network, and within 24 hours. Everybody in that hospital had the NFL network. <laughs> Such a move by Ursay, by the way. That's one of the best. Huge, things. huge, huge, but, huge move. But that was, you know, those days are so, are can become so so long, 
and such a grind and the, you know all the things that you have to go through and again mine was nothing compared to you know most of the people that i met you know that came on the uh, in that hospital and on that floor and i've met ever since but you know that's what that's what got you through so you know when you weren't sleeping 20 hours a day because you were just you know beat the crap from that stuff then then you'd spend your time you know doing doing the football stuff well, I think that's beautiful that Ursay did that. But that I think he that's the type of dude he is. So I mean we all know that. With this being said, okay, so your first year gets off to an interesting start. You have to battle against leukemia in the middle of it. You come back. Did you have to kind of resettle yourself into being a head coach? Like kind of find a re find the rhythm of the first few weeks there whenever you were? Because I remember when you came back, we were going into the playoffs and punt was the first thing. And you were like coaching again. You're bald, you're you're hair looked terrible obviously uh that was a bad moment for you with the hair the hair it was tough for you i know that was very difficult I, were you yeah. ever worried the hair wasn't coming back by the way you have impeccable hair were you worried it wasn't coming back that was never if that was the worst thing that would have happened and you were healthy then so be it <laughs> i wasn't worried about the hair when you say impeccable it's just good product you know <laughs> when, you buy, when you buy good products you know <laughs> well the hair always looks you know. good so we're going into the playoffs we, we somehow snuck into the playoffs right and it's the first practice back that chuck is head coaching right again it's like he beat leukemia i thought it was going to be like this victory parade you know like hey i just beat leukemia i came back nobody thought i was going to do this punt period was the first period and i think the first punt i hit a shank or something and you're standing right behind me you're like let's go are we going to kick the ball today or no i'm like hey, hey cheer the fuck up man <laughs> I, I, it was you were right back into like you were right back into coaching i was like this is beautiful did you have to refine like the coaching rhythm or were you like you know what you couldn't wait to get back out uh, out on the field you know i i wasn't like just from a physical standpoint you know the toll that it takes on you you know so just your weight your strength all that stuff so you remember when i came back we you guys just beat kansas city on the road we clinched the playoff spot we were playing Houston the next week. That was my first game back at home. Yep. You know, and I came back on Christmas Eve, team meeting, you know, and yeah, it was it was hard because you guys had so much success. BA was a rock star of all rock stars. The staff was freaking amazing. And the you know, go 9 and 3 in those 12 weeks. Yeah, it was, it was, you know, it was, they asked me what was the hardest thing that you had to deal with in six years as a head coach looking back on it. And I think coming back into that building, you know, and kind of reestablishing, you know, myself as, you know, a, you're the, you know, the head coach, whatever, because what a job that everybody did and especially BA, you know? Yeah. And, and it's like getting your sea legs back underneath you. So it was, it was, it was difficult, but uh, made easy by, by Bruce, the entire staff and all the players. And then I remember, you know, Houston, you know, they remember the media said, you know, Hey, are you going to play guys? Or are you going to rest them? <laughs> yeah. I do. I'm like, what? <laughs> I just, I just went through three months of, of, of chemo. I got myself in a remission and we said from day one, we signed up for 16 games. By God, we're going to play every, every last one of those games. It doesn't matter what the circumstances are, you know? And they said, well, you're going to rest guys, rest guys. <laughs> Are you nuts? No, there's no friggin' way we're going to. Are you kidding me? I just, I wanted to do drop the mic, walk out. This thing's over, right? We're done. So, um, 
I think it was Doyle maybe asked me. Maybe he wasn't there yet. I don't know. I love Greg Doyle. But anyway. I, the, lo- um, the local writers were uh, an interesting bunch to follow along during the Chuck Yeah, they were awesome. They were so good to me. They were- so anyway, um, <laughs> they were awesome. Hey, so where was I? So remember, they- we're, we win that game, yeah. and we get the ball. We're up. Remember Deji Kareem? Oh, yeah. Just Kickoff. Split, split the Red Sea and return that kickoff for a touchdown, and then we took like a two, three-point lead and never looked back. And then we held, we we went on a four-minute drill with nine, minimum, nine minutes and 40-some seconds left in the fourth quarter. Yep. And they handed the ball to Vic Bauer like all but one time, 12-play drive, nine, nine minutes and 40 seconds to get on a knee. Yep. It was a thing of beauty and won that game. And it was just like – I remember just walking out there, and I almost, I almost passed out. My legs were shaking. I mean, because of, of all the stuff around, whatever. But anyway. Yeah, that was a very huge. Blessed to, very was, blessed to be back. And then we went to Baltimore, and we lost that. You remember what happened to B.A. Yeah, he got morning? sick the morning of the fucking game. Bruce Arians gets sick morning of our play. We've had this incredible year, incredible circumstances, <laughs> situations happen. A lot of people be like, I mean, Andrew Luck is a rookie at this point with a whole new offense. Our head coach just beat leukemia to come back we were a hot team at the time too which is what you need we go back to baltimore where chuck had just come from you know big moment and then we get to the the stadium and uh bruce aarons is in the hospital he's sick this morning I'm like bruce is in the fucking hospital hey what do you mean bruce is in the hospital they're like i won't be here today i'm like well, wait a minute so we we ran no, into an, n- another speed bump there no it was crazy i mean go down to breakfast and I think just he gave, I mean, every ounce that he had. Yep. Right. To, to get to that point. And he just, he just fell out. The wheels had come off. And, you know, he had this vertigo thing going on, this inner ear deal. And, you know, I'm down at breakfast. And then all of a sudden, the uh, ambulance is pulling up and they're taking him to the hospital. And, you know, grab Clyde and, hey, Clyde, you're calling the game and great, great, great. Right. No big, no deal. Right. That's good. That's great. We'll go. We're good. We're good. We're going to roll. We're going to go. We're going to prepare for this. Good. Right, right, right. Got a couple balls. Got a young quarterback. <laughs> we'll be in a good spot. Right, right. You like these plays right here? <laughs> you know, yeah, those are good. Call, call the ones that get first downs and score points. That's what we need. <laughs> I got it. Right, right. For those that don't know, Clyde Christensen, longtime quarterback coach in Love Indianapolis, Clyde. coached with Peyton Manning for a long time, then Luck, then he just went down oh. to Miami, and I believe he's in Tampa back with Bruce. I'm not sure. Great. Yeah. He's like a no, quarterback yeah. whisperer, though. Yeah, that guy. He's unbelievable and, and awesome. And so, I mean, to go through all, like you said, we went through, and then to get to that that moment and, and be in Baltimore, and now, you know, all of a sudden you're, you're play callers, you know, in the hospital, and you're you're worried like hell for his health and how he's doing and what he's doing and what is it and you don't have any idea, you know and and uh, you know so you, you you get beat that day and then you know we had a we had a good run there man I had six six great years and I'm grateful for those six great years and the relationships that that were built and and the games that we won and the moments we had I mean it, it was awesome. I was lucky to be a player on a team that you coached. I have a couple questions about coaching me. <laughs> so, <laughs> so uh, do you remember? Are we about out of time? We're right, we're right on, the, on the break because I got that meeting yeah. coming up. So right, we got to be sharp here. This will be quick. Uh, just a couple. Do you remember when? Do you remember when 
at the beginning of your head coaching run, I think it was after you came back from beating leukemia, maybe your second year, where I would score you on your team meeting speech in the morning. Do you remember when I would do that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what did you think of that? Did yeah. you did you hate it at all? All I was trying to do excellent, was- excellent, excellent feedback. <laughs> no, it was really good. And it was something that you know, start worrying about as soon as I was done with the meeting. I got. I wonder what I get on that one. It was, whatever it was. I wonder if I leave, you know did I, did I get a six on this? Did I get a seven? Did we, <laughs> did we inspire anybody today? Did we? God, I hope. Pat's motivated today. <laughs> so I would, we would leave the team meeting and to walk to the special teams meeting room. We had a team meeting every uh, morning. And then to go to the special teams meeting room, he and I would have to share a hallway together all the way back to like where his room was. His co- his office was right by where the special teams was. So it was like a three-minute yeah. walk every single morning after he just spoke for 25 minutes. There was like no way in hell I wasn't going to be like, hey, good speech this morning. I thought you really delivered that one well. It was just like a thing that just started happening. But a lot, I tell a lot of people, you're an incredible speaker. Like, I think you could be a stand-up comedian if you wanted to. You told us some stories in there that were just next level. I mean, next level. I think whenever you retire from football, if it's ever, you should think about getting into the comedy circuit. You deliver a story like nobody else. Well, if I could do it alongside you, I'd do it in a heartbeat. Believe me. All, all I would ask you know I'm your you know I'm your biggest fan. Well, you're a good guy. I appreciate that. One one final thing because I have to do this because it's a professional interview. You're about to be the Chicago Bears defensive coordinator. The defense is incredible. They're loaded with weapons. What are you excited about going into next year? And what do you think is going to happen for the Chicago Bears? And what are you going to do to make that team better? Just being a part of this uh, storied franchise, you know, uh, Papa Bear Hallis the history behind it, um, the ownership, the McCaskey family is off the charts. You know, Coach Nagy, uh, Ryan Pace, uh, the general manager, it's, you know, it's always been about people. You know that. And these guys are phenomenal. Uh, built a hell of a roster, had a great run. Coach is going into his second year. I love the culture. You love the city. You love the fans. Everything about this place. And they've always been about defense. And last year was, was no exception. And when you look at it, you know, you look up and down the rankings, and they were one in almost every category except a couple. And those ones that they weren't, they were two or three. You know, points allowed, one. Turnovers, one. Um, third down, one. Uh, rushing yards, one. So on and on and on. So the expectations are huge. Um, that's why we do this thing, because we love challenges. And, you know, so – uh, my job is to is to make sure that um, you know we don't we don't have a drop off and the and the pieces that uh, that we have on this roster and especially on the defensive side um, it's a great team but there's a ton of ton of game wreckers uh, you know on that side of the ball and as Bruce used to call them five stars and you you got guys that can rush the passer you know Mac and Floyd and Hicks and uh, you know just just a ton of ton of guys Eddie Goldman up front. And, um, the back end's got playmakers, Eddie Jackson, Kyle Fuller, Amukamura, oh. you know, Trevathan, this oh. young linebacker, Roquan, Roquan Smith, and, oh. uh, and they've got depth. And so there's a, there's a ton of pieces to work with. And, you know, my motto's always been wreak havoc. So that's what we're going to try to do. And we're going to blend a little bit of what they did, a lot of what they did, try to make it easy on them from a terminology standpoint, add our own little twist to it. And, uh, Put a premium on fundamentals, technique, do simple better, right? Yep. 
just do the do the, do the little things, the detailed things, better than anybody else, and let these guys play and let their light shine and have fun doing it. That's keep, the most important thing. Keep it like doing it. Keep it likable and learnable. You said, "Kill them, mother." No, kill. Jo- kill. Hey. Easy. <laughs> <laughs> Have an incredible time. I appreciate kill. you joining me, man. The Chuck Strong Gala is going to be a blast in May, April, May ninth, May ninth. You'll be hosting it, and I'm so grateful for you for doing that. Hey, no, you don't know how much it means to me and and the kids and the research and all the all the money that we raise goes directly to research. Every every last nickel of it, and. And you're a huge part of that. You have been and, and will continue. And I'm, I love you, Pat. I love you for life. You know that. I'd do anything for you. Do anything for your family. And uh, it was an honor being your coach. Well, we appreciate you so much. The millions and millions of dollars that you and your foundation have raised has been incredible. I love you too, Coach. And by the way, this entire interview happened without one single mention of that. Shout out, Chuck. Now it's time to move on to our all-time favorite underdog success story. All-time favorite underdog success story. MVMT, Movement Watches. You've heard us talk about those broke college kids who knew that dressing well leads to success, but buying a nice-looking watch was way too expensive. So they changed things up by bringing you quality products without breaking your bank. With Valentine's Day coming up, Movement knows exactly what to get that special someone. Perfectly curated Valentine's Day gift boxes that the stylists over at Movement handpicked themselves. Mm-hmm. You heard it. Yep. <laughs> you heard what I just said there. The Valentine's Day gift boxes were curated perfectly by the stylists over at Movement. They handpicked them themselves. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's incredible. Listen, Movement is just the perfect accessory for not only your wrist, but your face. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. For men and women. Movement watches start at just $95. The similar watch at other places, like department stores, 400 to $500. It's clean design, minimal, and really quality products are what make it so beautiful. Movement has sold almost 2 million watches in over 160 countries. Movement is here to make Valentine's Day easy on you because I know you're going to procrastinate. They've curated gift boxes featuring their favorite styles that are perfect for that special someone. All gift boxes are perfectly matched with a watch or bracelet or a watch and a strap. That's right. Movement introduced jewelry to their collections. This one's a no-brainer one and done don't give them another cliche chocolate and roses are great but they don't last give them the gift they really want with a watch that makes an effortless statement and a bracelet bracelet or strap to top it off Hmm. hear that get a bracelet or a strap to top it off this is a perfect gift for your lady. Get and get 15% off today with free shipping and free returns by going to MVMT.com slash M-C-A-F-E-E. That's MVMT.com slash McAfee. See why movement keeps growing. Check out their expanding collection. Go to MVMT.com slash McAfee. Join the movement. Probable weekend away to Atlanta. I want to know, what are you looking for? I mean, your schedule... It's packed. I mean, every day is packed. What are you yeah. looking most forward to in Atlanta? Yeah, because you're back. You're back with you know. You're back in the locker room. Basically. Okay, so Atlanta is going to be awesome for us. We have Wrangler has ponied up for us to do this celebrity charity shootout at Top Golf in Atlanta. Nice Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Four hours we'll be there. Uh, sporadically going live. Let me give a list of names that have been confirmed. Oh boy, not all, just some names. Adam Schefter. Yes. Nice. Ryan Shazier. Love, Love him. that. Let's go. Shay Leave. Let's go. Rex Ryan. Yes. Oh. Sexy. Mike Pereira. Yes. Love Pereira. Huh. Tim Tebow. Hello. Oh. Jesus. Yeah. It's good. Ryan Fitzpatrick. Love, oh. Love Fitzpatrick. Derrick Henry. 
Nice. Big D Henry. I got a bone to pick with him. And I do too. I'm glad you said it. I do too. How about you guys not talk to him though? <laughs> <laughs> what is your bone to pick with him? Every year. Fantasy football. Every year. He turns it on at the end. You think he's going to be the guy. You waste the pick on him, and then he, he's only good for two or three games. He does have like those games out of nowhere. What do you have, 200-some yards mm-hmm. or something? Four touchdowns. Four touchdowns, yeah. Out of nowhere, and it's always just like, hey, why don't we feed that guy? Why no. don't we feed the six foot four, two hundred and sixty five pound <laughs> monster, four, four four monster? And I don't know, but we got a lot of people. And by the way, many more names have been brought to my attention that are going to stop by. We'll be going live on all of our social media channels and also our YouTube, uh, which I'm not sure if that's social media or not, but you get it. And that'll be Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. The Wrangler Celebrity Charity Shootout. The winning top golf score out of everybody will be keeping tallies of all the scores, just like they do mm-hmm. in Top Gear, uh, the show Top Gear for racing. The winner gets ten thousand dollars to a charity of their choice in their name. So nice, they can, nice. By the way, tax write off. I don't know the answer to this. Yes or no, though. Yeah. Yes or no. Be honest. Go ahead. You got a big name tucked away, don't you? Yeah, yeah, there's a pretty huge person coming through. Yes, sir. There, there's a pretty pretty large person coming through. It's pretty cool. I'm excited for it. And we'll just be popping in live there on your social media. Just follow along Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Should do pretty well. Also, I'm filming a show for DAZN during uh, the week, Thursday, mm-hmm. Friday, Saturday as well. So uh, DAZN is an app that we mocked for their terrible commercial. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think the world did, though. I think the world yeah. did. And they want to know if... I could do a show potentially daily for them down the road. So we're going to film three shows with some of the guests that we have and uh, see how it works on the DAZN app. The DAZN app is free, by the way. So the shows that I put together will be free on the app Thursday, Friday, Saturday. I'm excited to see. All at Topgolf. Whole thing happens at Topgolf. Yeah, they're setting up a whole set, basically. A state for the DAZN show. They're setting up like a whole set at Top Golf, and then the Wrangler Celebrity Charity Shootout is happening in a bay, obviously that we'll be filming in a pretty awesome way. We're, we're gonna have a pretty good little film oh, set yeah. up there. Oh, yeah. Real investment here by Wrangler going live on all social media channels, and Foxy will be creating a recap uh, vlog each evening. So Just like last year, we'll be down at the Super Bowl inside the Super Bowl, basically having a good time. I can't wait for it. And think- I'm buying dinner for everybody, everybody. At the OK Cafe, if we have time. What is that? OK Cafe? Yeah. Only the finest meat and three in all the land. What is a meat and three? <laughs> Southern cooking at its best. Pick your meat, pick three sides, and let it roll. Ooh. Okay, so oh, days. Did you just get paid for that? I think so. It Holy sounded shit. like that. I, I'll take everybody to Buffalo Wild Wings. <laughs> By the way, we're all banking on Buffalo Wild Wings. Uh, free wings for America if this game goes to overtime. Yeah. Yeah. The electric. That is beautiful. They're banking. They are saying if the game goes to overtime, if we get a little bit extra football, everybody in America gets a free free thing of wings. Nice. That's awesome. Darren Ravel tweeted it out and read out small print, fine print. Hey, Darren Ravel, we don't need people knowing it's just a snack size of free wings. That's all you need. <laughs> it's a fucking free wings. It's free. What do you want? Well, whenever you tweet out about Nike or New Era, do you say these things were made in yeah. a sweatshop in China, you motherfucker? <laughs> not trying to put anybody out of business. Hey, Darren Ravel. I, I, I follow along with Darren Ravel. But then whenever he puts out something I'm a part of and then reads the fine print in a tweet, you only have a certain amount of characters. We don't need you putting fine print. <laughs> hey, you give me one free wing, I'm happy. Right. I just appreciate What well, is free wings? It's free wings yeah. is the headline. But Good it game is. for an overtime, though. Both offenses can score at any time. Yeah. Perfect. A late, a late game yeah. comeback is definitely possible with both teams. All you got to do is next strokes or best stroke. Any of them could get hot. I, I, I'm excited for it. If it gets overtime, though, I think we all agree with who we're going with. Yeah, we all uh, do. We all agree with who we're going with yeah. for the game in general. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Everybody is on the Patriots. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, what? That kind of scares me. I'm on it hard. I'm all in. 
Me too. Oh. <laughs> Especially after he started the We We're Still Here chant at the oh, pep yeah. rally that had like what seemed to be 200,000 people yeah. at yeah. to send them to the Super Bowl. Then they hop on a plane that they bought two years ago. <laughs> they on their own plane down there. The Patriots. The Patriots are just good. It seems as if. Tom Brady feels younger than he's ever felt in his mm-hmm. life. He feels healthy. He said there's zero chance, zero percent chance this is his last game. He's definitely coming back. This, they're just in the middle of their dynasty, they're saying and thinking and acting. It's just we're just here for it. Wade mm-hmm. Phillips, though. Wade Phillips, boys, just hear me out. He is a he he's a th- he's a thief in a good way. He will take a team's defense that shut down a high scoring offense and duplicate that on game so day. So nobody has seen this offense from the Patriots. Oh, no, 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 no. Some people have seen it, but I'm going back to week 15. 17 10 loss to the Steelers in Pittsburgh. 10 points on the board. That's all they allowed. Okay. That was before their running game has exploded. That was before Tom Brady's knee got healthy. That was before I think Gronk was trying. Mm-hmm. I don't think anybody has been able, I mean, Chargers haven't. Chiefs didn't. Yeah, I, I mean, think this offense is transformed into something that is something different than it's been all fucking year. Wade mm-hmm. Phillips is a great defensive coordinator, but I'm not going to bet my life on him stopping Tom Brady. I'll tell you I, what, I'm Wade Phillips looked good though. Yeah, he did. Yeah, Wade did. Phillips looked that good. That was his old man's hat. He said, "I respect he, old yeah, bum Phillips." Yeah. Respect. By the way, after hearing what Chuck said today about how hard it is being out of coaching, I don't think Bill Belichick is ever going to be done. Well, look, Paterno died. I don't yeah. think he'll ever be done. <laughs> yeah. Bruce Arians came back. No one can stop. Those guys are lunatics. Well, the coaches are like football guys. Yeah, That's yeah. what they are. They're in the office all day, every day. Mm-hmm. Their life revolves around breaking down film. Their life revolves around hopefully making a player better. That is all they care mm-hmm. about and know. Their family knows it's a So you can take a break, I guess. But Chuck was very adamant about I about a week into it, I knew that I was going to get back in <laughs> however I could, whenever I could. And his wife did as well, Tina. She knew as well. I'm excited for the Super Bowl, man. We're going to have a lot of fun down there in Atlanta, mm-hmm. down there at Top Golf with Wrangler. Uh, Buffalo Wild Wings in DeZone. That should be a blast. I sound like a fucking NASCAR driver. It's going to be a lot of fun. Still got two podcasts coming. This is still going to come out Tuesday and Thursday. You'll still hear us. But we're going to be located in Atlanta. I'm excited to see who we get on the podcast. How was your weekend? Tell you do a show. Yeah, shows were great. Great. I didn't eat. So, you know, I just stayed to myself in my room. My lady was pretty cool about it. So... Somebody took us out to eat, though. It was the, the last on Sunday. Uh, and I had a friend down there, and he wanted to take everybody out to eat to this fancy ass fucking fish place. And they had fucking, they had uh, oysters, like 17 different kinds of oysters laid down on the table. It was like a seafood luau. And I was like, oh, what the fuck are we doing? <laughs> yeah. I Marty ate the hell out of it. Oh, yeah. She ate the hell out of it. I just drank coffee the entire time. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. You took the lead. You lost another 3.2 pounds. Yeah. Uh, that's incredible that you've been able to do that. Yeah. Zito is promising he's going to lose 10 pounds this week. He's moved into second place. I don't know how he's going to do it. No idea. I don't know. It's just, just going to be a battle, dude. He's he's. I mean, he's doing great. He's fucking sticking to his he guns. He gained weight over the weekend, but he said that's because he had a couple uh, soups over the weekend that might have had sugar and salt inside of them that he didn't <laughs> know about. It's going to be a fun week, man. It is. Oh, it's going to be a fun week. Down to the wire. So we got the final weigh-in for $9,999.99 on Friday mm-hmm. from the Super Bowl. Yep. We got the final weigh-in. We got the zone. We got Wrangler. We got Buffalo Wild Wings. We got a podcast. Tebow. Possibly Tim Tebow. It's going to be an awesome, awesome, awesome Uh, week. Can't wait. And we just followed up another awesome weekend, man. Arizona was dope. Incredible weekend, man. Incredible weekend for Foxy and I. We traveled out to the goddamn desert. Mm -hmm. Play a little golf game there. Stop there. Okay, let's talk about it. 
right there. Yeah, let's talk. I about know it. you had a huge weekend. Yep. We saw NXT. We saw the pre everything. It was wonderful. Yep. But to chip in for par oh, yeah. on Friday, oh, yeah. that's where it starts and stops with me. Explain, <laughs> explain that. Okay, so the golf round was an interesting one. It was uh-huh. incredible. So we travel out to Phoenix on Thursday night. Uh, I didn't have any meetings with WWE folks until Friday afternoon. So we had Friday morning open. This is where Alan Quay Shipley lives. He resides in the desert. Mm-hmm. That place is the fucking desert, oh, too, yeah. by the way. First time there. I didn't. Literally the desert. My first time traveling around. And whenever we left the hotel to go to the golf course, you have to leave a little bit. We, we went into the bottom of the uh, Attic Mountains, Art something. Yep. Attica? Maybe that sounds the, right. The Attica, Attica Mountains. Attica sounds right. Yeah. A lot of rich. This is, I guess, where the, the, mm, yuppie, sure. yupp, the yuppies of the yuppies live. Yeah. So we drive there from our hotel, which is downtown Phoenix. And the place looks like it's in the 70s mm-hmm. because <laughs> the sand blows on everything. So if you have a brand new pristine sign for a restaurant, <laughs> that shit looks like it's it's probably 45 years old yeah, because there's it. just sand getting blown on it. So we're driving through there. They, they live like the Navajo. They live. They live like the Navajo. They got like mud. It's like a, it's a different type of like house. Adobe. Adobe yes, houses. Yeah. Adobe. It's a completely different style of house. I mean, they're nice. Let's not get crazy, but it's nothing like I've really seen before. So it's like it's a bit of a culture shock. This is these motherfuckers really living in. There's homeless people out there. That's the worst place I could have. <laughs> the fucking desert. You're gonna be a homeless person in the desert. I don't even know how that happens. I guess within the last like. Uh, 10, 15 years maybe, Phoenix has risen to the a top five populated cu- uh, city in the country. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I, I think it's number four right now. Just 10 years ago, it was not like that. So mm-hmm. it's all kind of fast growing. It's trying to keep up. It's trying to catch up. And it's a beautiful, like I'm going to be honest, downtown was very nice. Awesome. The people were incredible. A lot of fans out there. So many fans. Probably the most fans we've ever been to any place. Any place we've ever been. Wow. Most, Great to know. Most fans were, were we. You're ever- big out there. Big, very nice, big. Like it was in New York City. I could walk around probably once every four to five minutes. Mm-hmm. I get stopped, right? For probably four to seven minutes, depending on where I'm. I get like a hello or a stopped or whatever. Mm-hmm. Phoenix was probably once every two minutes whenever we were walking out there, just like somebody yelling randomly. Yep. And it wasn't. It, I, I guess there's a lot of WWE people in town, so they knew me as well. Right. But it's a lot of people that are just fans of the show, like yo, big fans of the show. And mm-hmm. I'm like, thank you, thank you. The actually the place where we ran into. Uh, Corey Graves and Sam Roberts and a couple of people after the takeover right by our hotel, the owner's son was like a diehard fan. So yeah. I look like this big swinging dick <laughs> in front of Corey Graves and, and everybody. The kid like came out like, I don't want to say shaking, but he was like very excited. No, he was pumped. I was like, yo, and uh, his dad was like, oh, this is my place, my kid. Because we came in right at like their closing time almost just to stop for five, 10 minutes to mm-hmm. talk to Corey. And they like, the kid came. I think he showed up whenever he heard I was there. It was, mm-hmm. a, it was a really... We got to get to Phoenix. We got to go do a show in awesome Phoenix. People. That's awesome. They're really good people, too. The people are very nice. So we had to go golf with AQ, though. It's his town. AQ and I golf a lot. This is what we did. So we get into Arizona Country Club. Nice. Okay. Nice. Very. It's about tree bills over there. It's tree four, it's tree four bills. 45 grand to become a member there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 45 grand to become a Woo! member there, then 1,000 a month, yeah. and then there's other stuff. I, I, did, the, I did some questioning yeah. afterwards. Mm. I've never really done a country club before. So I've never done the country club thing before. It's not really my type of thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, To be honest, I probably mocked it many times. (laughs) I probably mocked people that, I mean, I mocked Foxy just for for potentially being a part of one. Uh And now that I got to experience it, I understand why these rich people do the country club thing. Oh, yeah. We showed up to this place and it was 
incredible. I had a sleeveless on. <laughs> I only packed, I didn't pack right. any sleeves. Yeah, of course. As soon as we walk in, there's a guy Desert. that's like, um, excuse me, where are you guys trying to go? Basically, uh, <laughs> excuse me, what's going on? So they take us down to the pro shop. We're like, we're checking in. AQ's like, I'm an unaccompanied guest here. Like, AQ's not even a member of that country club. Nope. His golf pro at his place got us into there unaccompanied oh. because AQ bullied these people into not having to have a guest. Because I guess normally a guest has to have you in. You're a guest sure. of theirs. Yeah. AQ was like, no, this is an unaccompanied guest. We don't want anybody golfing with us. So we get in there. AQ's got some pools starting center for the Cardinals. So that was very nice of him. I don't think he bullied anybody, but somehow it happened. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. How long did the sleeveless last? Okay. So as soon as we walk in, we had a tea time at 8.30 a.m. Yeah. We walked in at 8.10, probably 8.05, parked it. We got a charger, by the way, rental Ooh, car. Had nice. a Hemi in that thing. <laughs> thing was humming like a Hemi there. So we park the Hemi. Obviously, I have to rev it a couple times oh, yeah. behind AQ's uh, Yukon he was driving or Denali <laughs> or whatever. I was, he was like, where are you guys? And I was like, <laughs> you hear me? He's like, is that behind me? I'm like, oh, yeah. And now I'm not even thinking that everybody else in the country club is now like, who the fuck is this? Right. So we park. I have a sleeve. West Virginia thing on. It's like a golf material, but I don't have any long sleeves. I, I didn't bring any long sleeves. Mm -hmm. I got golf shorts on, though. At least I look professional there and some fresh whites. And we walk about seven steps into the lobby of the main place, and there's a guy, excuse me, <laughs> yeah, right. where are you guys trying to go? And AQ's like, oh, we're an unaccompanied guest. Uh, we're supposed to He's like, pro shop is right this way. <laughs> and basically just walks us directly out of the lobby, right down like a back alley, yeah, right into the door. What of size the, are you? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Let me take you to the sleeve section. As, yeah. as soon as I walk in there, I get a, I buy a shirt. It was a nice shirt. That was the plan the whole time, is I'm going to buy a shirt. By the way, I, every time I've been golf with you, you never come in golf apparel. You just buy golf apparel exactly. once you're there well yeah. i think it's it's a part of the thing is buying like because yeah. they always have them embroidered the on logo, the course yeah. yeah yeah so it's like uh it's like a thing sure. that i do i think oh, i want a shirt from this place uh -huh. at least. you're so, doing them a solid too yeah. mm -hmm. well these people did not think so early. <laughs> 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 so i go in there and i buy it everybody's real nice and our tea time got delayed because the dew on the grass well, sure so i get the shirt and i'm like uh, is there a dress i didn't want to just take my shirt off in the middle of this pro <laughs> shop which i would normally do mm -hmm. i was like I, I could feel the vibe right Right? I can feel the vibe. This is a very, very nice place. Yeah. And he's like, oh, the locker room's right there to the right, sir. So I go in the locker room. It's a double-doored locker room, you know, men's room. And I put it on. And I, I as I'm walking back into the pro shop, there's a sign that says, uh, reminder, all shirts must be tucked in. Right? Oh. All shirts. Reminder, walking really? out of the locker room, all shirts must be tucked in. I like stopped to look. I'm like, I was just fucking sleeveless, untucked upstairs. <laughs> oh, like, these people were probably losing their mind when I was walking. So I tucked in my goddamn shirt. I was like, all right, here we go. And I walked back into the pro shop and shirt looked good. I felt good. And uh, he was like, you can go up to the restaurant or the men's grill if you would like. We have like 45 minutes. We're going to delay the tea times. So like, thank you. So we go up to the restaurant. And it's us and the like six women sitting in there. That's yep. it. Just us and six women. They're waiting to play too, yeah? I don't think so. I don't think so. I don't think so. this will all come back around. So it's us and like the six women sitting in there. We get fed breakfast. It was delicious. I got a double omelet with uh, mm -hmm. six eggs in it. Oh, my God. Yeah, a lot of questions. Not just a corn dog. Or no, yeah, yeah, yeah. Double omelet with some other stuff. It oh, was, yeah. It was very nice. Top very, notch. Very fast, too. I mean, it was a beautiful setting. The whole backdrop was the mountains and the golf course. Mm -hmm. It was it was awesome. I was looking around. I was like, holy shit. They're like, they come and take you. They go, what's your member number? Right? So now AQ has to have that whole unaccompanied guest conversation with uh -huh. this guy. Again. No worries. They charge it to his course, to him. Yeah. 
So we were playing on his tab at another place. Classic. Awesome move. What a network. I would recommend doing that all the time, by the way. Playing on somebody else's tab (laughs) at another. Because AQ didn't have to sign for that at all the entire day, so it never even crossed his mind. So I'm just fucking... (laughs) (laughs) I put that shirt on uh, Seville Golf Course, member 228. That'd be great. I rented golf clubs, didn't even have to pay for them. Didn't even think about it. Put it on another course's tab. AQ's like, God damn it. In his head, yeah. (laughs) So we eat, we relax, and then we go over to the... uh, the driving range because uh-huh. we still got like another 10 15 minutes mm-hmm. and it's chilly man it was really chilly out there how's I'd... that swing though so the first couple balls i was hitting well but i was using aq's clubs aq had two sets of clubs he gave me a second set of clubs it's pxgs which i guess are from arizona it's a new company very nice mm-hmm. aq swings a fucking telephone pole <laughs> <laughs> these clubs are telephone poles <laughs> and he plays a lot so he, he well not currently with his acl he's only played like once i guess in the last couple of months but before that he was playing a lot out there because it's just country clubs everywhere yeah so it's golf course everybody retires go there so i get his clubs and the first he's like whatever you do you can swing anything as hard as you want it won't go left Right, so it's like so stir, it's so stiff that it won't come around on you. Nice. Basically. So I have no cleats on. I'm planning on going barefoot. I was planning on going barefoot going there, and then once I started seeing how nice everything was, I was like, can't go barefoot. So I had to wear some fresh white tennis shoes out mm-hmm. there. So I'm swinging this driver like out of my shoes, and I'm still spraying the thing right. I'm like, I got no shot today, no shot at all. So I keep it going, I keep it going. I'm like, and I find like this almost like a baseball swing. I'm starting, and it's like starting to clean up. I'm like, okay, I'll find this. So we start playing a little bit. We start hitting the ball around. Ball's not flying as far because the dew, Mm -hmm. Phil Mickelson told AQ Shipley this. AQ Shipley told us this. The dew takes three to four yards off of the ball. Really? Three to four yards off the ball. So everybody is, and AQ heard Phil Mickelson say that in an interview like like 3 a.m. on Golf Channel (laughs) when his baby wouldn't sleep because AQ is now a dad. And this plays into the whole story as well. This is like AQ's first time out of the house, basically. He's been just fathering for all this goddamn time. So it was like a, a father getaway for him. He was, okay. But there was moments of worry about how his baby's doing in the middle of the fucking course. I had no idea what was going on. So we start warming up. We start playing. First three holes are just like, uh, let's just fucking, let's see what happens here. And then we get into a game of Wolf, right? A game of Wolf. Which what is, are the rules for Wolf? So Wolf is a game where you have a set order, and then you can pick a teammate or go lone Wolf if you want for points, and uh, at the end, it, it, it got a little competitive. Okay. But I was I was so hit or miss. I mean, I was hitting... I was hitting iron shots into like fucking seven feet, and then the next one was going directly to the right. Like it was, <laughs> it was so hit or miss. But by around like hole nine or ten, yeah, I started. I was loose. The driver was coming around. I was hitting balls like probably the squarest I've ever hit drivers in my life because Bombs. it felt like I was swinging a baseball bat yeah. and I'm just like swinging as hard as like the ball looked like it was this big at one point. I, was <laughs> like, I could just hit the fuck out of this and I was. It was going. It was It was a lot of fun and then we get to a par three. And the irons had, the irons had been hit or miss at this point. Mm-hmm. Par three was going to be my nemesis. I go lone wolf, I believe, on the par three. Oh, boy. Because I need, no, I was planning on going lone wolf because I needed uh, to get some points there because I was bad early. So I was Mm -hmm. losing to people. I was down like three or four at the time. Mm -hmm. So I tee off first, and I pull a seven iron deep into the fucking desert rocks to the left, Mm. nowhere near the goddamn green, right? So I'm like, well, I can't go lone wolf now, son of a bitch. I think Foxy hits it somewhere. I pick Foxy. It's me and Foxy versus AQ, basically. So I'm in the fucking desert in the rocks. With trees. It was just bad. It was a bad pull to the left. And I go to hit it, just give it like a little punch because I had a tree right behind me. And I duff it right up to like next to the green where you guys saw me. 
And that's why I was like, okay, laying two, because at this point I was behind AQ like two, three points. And AQ is talking a lot of shit. Like AQ oh, is <laughs> talking a lot of shit at this point. So I'm like, I'm laying two, no big deal, chip in for par. I actually say that before I'm like going in. I'm like, boom, I chip it, and it looks like it's going in. I probably chipped in probably three, four times in my life. Like this is not a normal thing. Mm -hmm. And then it falls. And I wanted to lose my fucking mind. <laughs> I wanted to lose my mind. And then I look up, and AQ has a par putt from like four feet. Yeah. And I'm like, so I'm not even going to get a fucking point here. I'm not even going to get a point here. A par. And I just walk it the fuck <laughs> off at the moment. But it was a huge moment. That's why golf is golf, though. You hit that one shot, and you want to go back. Sure, right? Absolutely. Foxy was balling a little bit. Yeah. I started nice. out hot. I started out hot, and then I lost it. And also, every single one of my drives, I hit, I hit one down the middle. Pat's fucking 100 yards in front of me. At least. No exaggeration. At least. No exaggeration. It's just demoralizing. It was awesome. It was really cool. So I'm like a scramble player. I just got to knock it up to the green and then hope I get up and down and then keep it moving. Foxy plays like a 90-year-old. Yeah. 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 Exactly. We were yeah. on the course with a bunch of 90-year-olds. Like, that's who Arizona, I think everybody just retires. Yeah, sure. And then they just become members at these country mm -hmm. clubs and they just golf all day. It's like the dream. They had handicap flags yeah. on the carts. <laughs> like, they had handicap flags on the go, which I don't know what that means. Like, what does that mean? They're allowed to drive like a 45 right, degree. Right. I have no idea. <laughs> yeah. No idea. I have no clue what that means, but I almost killed uh, oh, yeah. an old man. I, I I had to give them a four. There's no way the handicap flag hurt it though. It went right through their legs. I right think. through their fucking group. Yep. It was like uh, I was probably 308 yards away from them. <laughs> they look around. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. And then they members, waited. Members. Too. Then they waited. They waited. So oh, we get up no. there, and AQ gets out early. He's like, "I'm gonna go to my ball." I'm like, "You're you're sending me into this alone. <laughs> you're basically sending me into this alone." So I have to drive up to their tee box, and I go, "I am so sorry. I had no idea. I am so sorry." And one guy goes. You must have been pretty far out. I was like, I was on the tee box. And he goes, you were on the tee box? <laughs> and you made it here? I was like, yeah. And the one guy goes, well, that's the longest drive. <laughs> wow. I was like, she guys aren't mad. They're like, no. How'd you get it here? And I was like, I just swung the shit out of it. I had no idea where it was going. And one guy goes, well, that's obvious. You almost killed Ted or something. <laughs> and then they hopped in the golf. Yeah, they hopped in the golf cart and pulled away. And it was from that point we had like a much better relationship with them. But we were very much outsiders in yes. that place, and it was a uh, it was a great day. AQ ended up winning though. Yeah. Nice. Oh yeah, but how much? Uh, a lot. It came oh. down to the last hole though. It did come down to he, he? I would I had to get a lone eagle yeah. on eighteen, and the dramatics played out. <laughs> I was putting for eagle. Yes. Oh boy. I was putting oh, for this eagle. Is, this is good. After one of the most electric moments in the history of that golf course, I've never seen anything like this playing golf in my life. This was unbelievable. So I'm teeing off. I'm going first. I'm down four. So I need Eagle Lone Wolf to tie this thing up. Mm -hmm. I had earned five points for both Foxy and AQ in this second back nine. I was hot. In the I back. was backpacking. Yeah, I was like, win, 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 win. But I was getting points for other people, yeah, too. So yep, yep. I, I couldn't. There you were gaining ground. There, yeah. That fucking par three, I needed yeah. a Lone Wolf myself, but I couldn't do it. So I was literally just picking up points for the two who were already ahead of me. I was in a bad spot, but it came down to 18 where I'm leading off. I needed a Lone Eagle. It was a par five. It was set up perfect. I'm like, here we go. This is it. I'm playing well. Let's get this eagle. Send this thing in overtime. AQ has to pay for an entire another round for us to play one whole fucking. <laughs> so, so I tee off and I, I crush it, but it's drifting right. Right, so it's uh -huh. drifting right, fading right, where there is definitely a string of houses mm -hmm. to the right. Hello. OB right there to oh, the right, right? Yep. 
fading, fading, fading. And AQ goes, out of bounds, I win. Out of bounds, it's over. I already win. You can't get an eagle. I'm like, I don't think it's out of bounds, though, because I saw like some birds flop up out of a fence. I thought maybe I hit the fence and it bounced back uh-huh. in. I thought that was a possibility. So we drive down there. By this point, the group behind us has become friends with us, and they're basically just with us at this point. Yep. They're, they're with us. So we're driving down just looking, and I'm looking in the backyards of these fucking houses that are very nice on this golf course. Mm-hmm. I'm just kind of snooping around. And then we get up to this one. It, was, it wasn't it was fenced in, but it was right on the side of the fence where I saw the things go. And there's a lady there. They're, re, they're renovating the house. She's standing in her backyard on the steps. And I go, excuse me, is, this is definitely out of bounds where her steps are. Is there any ball uh, near you or do you see any come? And she goes, wait a minute. And she picks up a ball, <laughs> picks up a ball from her stairway, which is like uh, probably 15 yards out of bounds. Yep. Maybe 15, yeah, 15, 10, 15 yards out of bounds. She picks up and she goes, Titleist 4? I'm like, yep. She's like, Pro V1X? I'm like, yep. <laughs> and she throws it. Balls in play. Right in bounds, like oh, a foot in bounds. Right in Foxy has it all on camera. Yeah, Foxy yeah. has the entire thing on camera. She throws it back and down. I'm like, I never... T- Thank you so much. <laughs> like, Thank you. I never fucking touched How that thing. Was he? Oh, it was a delayed bounce. That's all I said. I said yeah. that thing was a delayed bounce out of bounds right back into the thing, right? So now we got the group behind us with us, the ladies standing there, and the cart. So I go, uh, give me that fucking hybrid, AQ, right? I'm like two, probably 220 to the green yep, or so, yep. 220. And I take out this hybrid, two different sets of music playing, ours in the group behind us, old rich lady outside that just threw the thing back staring, two Dachshunds, wiener dogs outside. <laughs> I take this fucking hybrid, probably 224, 225, yeah. right to the fucking green. Like, oh, we're on nice. it. In front of all these people. I'm like, thank you, lady. Have a good one. <laughs> Lion 2, right? A- AQ's hot. AQ's like, this is bullshit is what AQ's saying. But AQ was impressed with the shot. Yeah, sure. You got to so, respect So it. he was like, if this ends up, I mean, I'll take it, basically, is what mm-hmm. AQ's saying. So then we get up to the green, and the green was the biggest green I've ever seen in Montana. Oh, huge. It green. was the biggest green Very I've ever seen. Very fast, too. Things were like glass out there it was like a hundred and some foot putt for eagle and i you know i can't read a green i've learned i cannot <laughs> i cannot read a green. i can i can hit it the proper speed yeah i can give a good roll at it yeah but when i think it's gonna zig it zags every fucking time right. and, and it was very confusing to me that eagle putt i had it pin high probably like five six feet to the mm-hmm. right but if I read that thing right, it's probably going in, and I have a, we're dancing. But I, I just couldn't read the goddamn greens, so I ended up missing the birdie putt and ended up with fucking par. Mm. It was a nightmare, but it was a great, a great day of uh, festivities. Oh, yeah. Great day. So yeah. after that, the group behind us, very much a regular guy named Dave. He, I think his dad might own the fucking place. To be honest, seemed way, like it. The way he was, the untucked shirt, t-shirt, basically like no collar, had on like uh, Sperry's. He, he seemed like he owned the place. Yep. He very much had that. Uh, bravado. bravado as if he knew people there. Mm-hmm. He's like, you should stick around afterwards. There'll be like hundred some people in there just having drinks. It's Friday afternoon. You're here for the perfect time. Nice. I appreciate that. So we go inside. We're in the men's grill. Yeah. Men's grill. Right. So about that. Oh, exclusive. No women. No women allowed. Whoa. <laughs> the women are all in the restaurant where we were eating breakfast. Yes. So we were eating where the wives were eating in the restaurant. The men just sit down in the men's grill. That's it. They just hang out down there. It's like they play cards. They do this. They do that. Mm-hmm. The women have like their own club in the restaurant almost. And I was like, I. we drove here. And it felt like we were in the seventies. Yeah, now it feels like we're in, <laughs> now it feels like we're in the booming thirty or twenties or whatever. Right? It felt like we were way back in time. It was just nice. like a very interesting thing. How long did you stay in that men's grill? 
We were only there for like uh, probably 45 minutes to Yeah, we hour. got lunch and we were just kind of hanging out and we were out. I had, uh, I had, I had a pretty big meeting. Go mm, talk about what mm, we're going to be doing. Uh, it was. It was a pretty large meeting, wasn't oh, yeah, it? Oh, yeah. I did not know we were walking into that big of a meeting. No, no. We were a little late. <laughs> just a little late. Hey, not our fault, though. Not our fault. We had to go around the whole stadium like four times. The convention center is four different buildings. Yeah. It's a convention centers. They, they have four of them, and we were <laughs> told to meet in the convention center. We were at like the northeast one. We need to be at the southwest one. Mm-hmm. So we had to walk through a couple different cosmic cosplay places. And we're, like, <laughs> we're looking for the uh, Royal Rumble thing. <laughs> A wrong building. The door's there. I'm like, yeah, but which building? You'll see it, they kept saying. So then we walked into another building, and they were like, you're looking for a Royal Rumble? They're like, you'll see it. I'm like, we haven't, though. I am letting you know that we have not seen it, and we've walked into two different fucking buildings. So then we showed up that meeting a minute late, and it was was everybody that was in the meeting was just looking at their watch at us, and I was like, hey, you guys should have better advertised we're in fucking Southwest building. Yeah, no shit. How about this, Michael Cole? Why don't you put it in the fucking sign saying, hey, it's the Southwest building instead of just convention center? (laughs) There's five of these fucking things in this city. Phoenix was beautiful, though. It was awesome. Phoenix was beautiful. And then the NXT TakeOver show happens. That was fucking electric. Mm -hmm. Thank you. I appreciate that. Dude, I tell you what, that dynamic you and Sam have is fucking something special. Don't you feel it when you're in there? Hey, Sam Sam was trending there. Sam was trending there for what he said about Bianca Belair. Mm -hmm. Love her. It was very interesting. It was very interesting. It came out of nowhere. I was very uh, surprised by it, but he was... He told me that he just had a moment of realization there because I thought he was going to have a. So at one at the last WrestleMania, he was on the pre-show, and they sent it to him, and there was some communication issue where he's live on the pre-show, maybe on the USA Network somewhere big, and he doesn't have, he doesn't know where he's going. Something happened, and he like freezes. He froze on TV for like fifteen twenty seconds, <laughs> and then he got ruined online for oh, right Lord. like the internet look. I thought we were having another one of those moments. That's why I was like so excited. That's I was like looking at the guy, like, here we go. This is <laughs> it seemed like a malfunction. I, that's what I thought. I was like, okay, we're having one of those moments because obviously Sam is one of the most talented brains I've ever been around. He is very good at what he does. So whenever I saw him kind of stumble, I was like, oh, here, we, this is a moment. This is a moment. And then he took the shot, but I had a good time. I got a, uh, I got a Bahamas. Fire Festival reference on WWE. Oh, that was so good. So uh, happy you got ah, in. So excited. There's a lot of conversation both here and in Phoenix yep. with Sam Roberts on whether or not I should do that. Whether or not I should even reference it. And Sam's like, uh, Sam gave me like, I don't know, actually. I've never thought of referencing something along those lines, so I'm not even sure. <laughs> so whenever the conversation comes up about Cassius Ono and Riddle, mm-hmm. The original bro, by the way. He uh-huh. used to be the king of the bros. Now he's trained, changed into the OB, mm-hmm. the original bro, which I, I think that's probably the right move. Mm-hmm. Personally, that's here and or there. But I knew that there was going to be a desperation situation. So going into the show, in my head, I was like, if this thing comes up, this is my only time to really get it in, right? This is my, if I want to do it, this is my only time to get it in. So they, they mention that match, and I give my answer. Then Sam gives his answer. And then I, I thought they were going to pivot and change the subject. So in the video, you actually see me go, oh, well, there it is. I just missed it. And then Charlie goes, is Riddle going to be healthy? And I was like, well, wait, we got another shot. At it. <laughs> so then I start talking. And in the back of my brain, the Fire Festival 
metaphor is just sitting there. It's just sitting there. Waiting. And I'm having a conversation. Like, uh, well, are you going to do it or not? Are you going to do this or not? And I was like, if I don't do it, I'm not going to be able to look myself in the mirror. Yeah, you're 100% right. So while I'm giving an answer, I'm like, yeah, we're going for it. And, it, and once it gets like into the rotation there, once it gets into like the uh, on deck circle uh-huh. there, we should say, there's no coming back. So now another conversation is like, this is stupid. We should not be doing this. <laughs> that thing's already in the fucking on deck circle, though. So as soon as it comes on, Sam fucking, he, because as soon as I mentioned a possibility happened to Sam, you know, and Sam said, he's like, oh, I hope he does it. If he does it, I'm like, Sam just goes along with it and b- digs me even deeper, oh, yeah. potentially digs me even deeper. It was beautiful. That was a moment that was 100% for me. That was 100% for I me. I like how you had the same thought process to psych yourself up to reference what Andy King did <laughs> as he did actually going to potentially do the deed. Yeah, exactly. That was exactly what it was. Called him Cuzzy. I didn't, I didn't want to go by name. I didn't want people to get too deep because I do understand the kids are watching. I'll give you credit. Last week on pod, you said toddlers. That's a good word. I'm going to use toddlers. And when you rattled off toddlers, I'll oh. some bitch. Yeah, there <laughs> he is. A bunch he of is toddlers. doing this, man. Yeah. I, mean, he I, is. I try my best. I honestly, I have a bunch of things. Toothless Tiger was another yeah, one. Yeah, you got that out. Yeah. I got Toothless Tiger. Stealth is Wealth I got in there. Toddlers I got in there. And then the Fire Festival reference. I only had, I, I think I only missed like one or two checklists in my brain. And that's all just a game for me, by mm-hmm. the way. I, I, don't wanna, I want people to know that that's a game for me to get those things in there as well. The super wrestling fans aren't big fans of mine. You, nope. just, you just opened yourself up to people are going to be saying, can you say it next time? Can you say I would like us to do that. Can you I, say next time? By the way, I would like that to happen mm-hmm. because I do tweet things out like, hey, send me something that you want me to try. Because for me, that's like a game. Like, mm-hmm. I honestly feel that I can slip <laughs> anything into anywhere. I think I can. Yeah. I honestly feel like I can do it. And it's it's a fun challenge. Well, it's causing an organic reaction too because when you rip out a really good one, it starts dumps them for a second. Yes. You know, you can see Sam get caught off guard like ah like I want to die laughing right now. Yeah. But, yeah. My the thing I love is the super wrestling fans. And I I mean the like the die uh, hard the old die, school. I am very different than anything that's ever been on a goddamn pre-show, right? I'm not sure. breaking down the techniques of whoever. <laughs> yeah. I have no idea on why somebody should win over somebody else. I do know. Yeah. I get it, but mm-hmm. I'm not that's not my thing. So when I start rattling off these things, you got these diehard wrestling people that are like, man, this is our world. Like, why are we letting this person in? <laughs> and I want to tell them all, like, just stick with me. I think you, I'll win you over. Give yeah. me like another three shows. It just realize that this is the same thing every single time. But also, fuck them. To be honest, I, I, it's hard for me to care. Well, and on the, I'm like on the other side of that, I saw a bunch of people tweeting like, you know, like average fans. They're like, this is why we watch this shit because Pat makes it like, you, you know, what I mean, it's supposed like, to be entertaining. Exactly. That's yes. all in my head. It's just like when I was doing the NFL game. In my head, I think there's a way to enter, make things more entertaining. Sure. Now, granted, not everybody's going to love it. I've always said I'm not for everybody. But I feel like I say some good stuff. I predicted like what was going to happen, and basically three or four out of the five are yeah. spot on. Spot on. Yep. So I think some people, if they just read the transcript, instead of my delivery, just read my transcript, know that that's fucking good too. So <laughs> it's not just the delivery that's great. The transcript is as well. Go ahead and read through that. But it's I could see that I'm a bit different. than. Well, you said you're not for everyone. Some people need to realize not everything is tailored to them. This is exactly. a big wrestling show with a lot of stuff going on. You're right. not going to like every little piece of it. But hold on, though. It's 
it's a pre-show too. Yeah. Like fucking take it easy. Yeah. This is this is literally a pre-show panel. But also, I mean, there's a lot of people that were very positive, and I appreciate you guys. It was just I I felt that because I couldn't answer every one of the super wrestling fans mm -hmm. that were like, why is this? Some guy made a couple of them made me laugh very hard though. There was a Irish or English or Scottish guy who said, "Who is this bumbling cunt on the right?" <laughs> <laughs> I lost it. I I was reading through it. And I was like, Pat, you did great. I'm like. I was reading, Pat, you did great. Pat, you did great. Why is Pat on here? Ah, great question. And who's the bumbling cunt on the right? I was just fucking crying laughing backstage. And by this point, Sam was already trending worldwide. So, like, yep. Sam was, like, a little bit, like, uh, he felt. So I couldn't even, like, have a laugh. Like, yo, somebody just called me a bumbling cunt. <laughs> ah, forget it. I'm sure you're reading a lot worse than I am. <laughs> I, I enjoyed the hell out of it, though, man. Have you noticed that stuff change, though, since, like, the first one you did? Or is it still, like, with Sam the heart? It is. It's the exact same. It, it's the okay. So this is my take on it. Hot take. Hot take. So the WWE is really the only playground for super wrestling, right? Mm -hmm. It's the only league. It's the only big one. Granted, there's others that pop up. They come and go. They have a lot of money, but the WWE is the standard. There's only so many jobs in the WWE, but there's a lot of people working in the wrestling business. So there's a lot of podcasters that are strictly revolving around wrestling, sports entertainment. There's a lot of radio people. There's a lot of hosts. Mm -hmm. There's Twitters. There's websites just that are 100% locked and loaded for wrestling. That's all they do all day, every day. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of people that dedicate all of their time and effort to wrestling. And they have a lot of fans because they're good at covering it. And however they cover it, people enjoy. So whenever somebody that isn't a part of that group, like I don't dedicate my entire life to writing wrestling blogs right. or things like that. So I am potentially taking somebody's job that is that dedicates their entire life to wrestling who has a good fan base. So their fans feel the need after obviously somebody like a lot of these wrestling bloggers will tweet something bad about me. Then they're, by the way, weaponizing their followers, Yeah, yeah. <laughs> weaponizing their followers, which no, I'm, I'm completely fucking around, but those people will say something about me. Then their fans feel it. And I completely understand, you know, like I, mm -hmm. I have been a fan for long. I've read the fan reaction to things so i knew what was coming when i signed up to wwe to do wwe stuff so i just i just hope at some point though it becomes like uh like there's somebody else that comes in where basically they can be pissed off about that person <laughs> taking somebody's job and not me you know what i mean but well, and it's still new it's still new yeah so they'll figure it out but i mean, I, yeah. I do feel like i can add a lot to that company though i do oh, feel absolutely. like i can add a lot in a lot of the sports entertainers are fans of what i do too big so, time so that is a that's a huge thing. Like a lot of the NXT roster comes and speaks to me privately. And oh yeah, oh yeah. Like thanks me almost. Well so yeah, and usually a lot of the sports entertainers and wrestlers aren't the biggest fans of that other community that you're referencing. They're they're not. They're all. I mean, they're criticizing their entire time. Yeah, so. exactly. Well, they're 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 the media of yeah. that, right? So mm -hmm. I guess ESPN covers the news that WWE makes, right? If a mm -hmm. deal is made, if something happens, but they're not criticizing the decisions that WWE is making. That's what all those bloggers and sure. podcasters do. So they're like the Stephen A. Smith, Skip Baylesses of wrestling, though. So it's just more of an internet presence. Which, by the way, I I read a lot of them and I enjoy a lot of them, and I completely understand why they should be pissed that I'm up there and not them. But there's a reason why I'm up there, and it's mostly because ever since then, every pre-show trends worldwide. That a boy. Now wardrobe choice was key. Yes, I love it. Wardrobe choice was key. Okay. Now my question is, I saw it. I saw it. If you didn't see it, Pat will explain it, but. Did anybody give you double takes on the way in going no. walking to work? So I've done George suits a couple times now with them, right? Mm -hmm. 
but I'm trying to set the precedent because they, although the world has announced that I signed a multi-year deal with the WWE, I've only formally been offered a multi-year deal. So we are still currently talking through some things, right? Because I could be calling games next year. I could be calling NFL games next year. So we don't know how to set up a schedule where sure. I'm, I won't be full-time with the WWE. I will just be a talking head for them for the pre-shows and shit like that. But I haven't officially signed the deal. Mm -hmm. But we're very close, right? Like, it's very, very close. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to set the precedent, like, hey, I know everybody in your company wears suits everywhere. That's what they do. It's like, it's a thing of the company, actually. is like, look good. Like, we are professionals. Like, that's a part of the thing. So just like when Chuck had his rules for traveling rules, and I actually created a shirt to go around his rules, <laughs> right. it, it, to every, a T-shirt that I made a button down with nine buttons just on the top with the, the whole thing like that. I didn't even ask him about that. <laughs> Should have fucking asked him. Uh, There's so much to talk to. That's on me. But just like that, I wanted to set a precedent like, hey, I don't enjoy... I don't enjoy shopping for suits. I don't enjoy having suits. I don't enjoy wearing full suits. So I was just trying to set a precedent like, hey, I think I can look professional without doing the full Joseph A. Bank. You know what I mean? Like, is there any way I could do that? And there was, Michael Cole told me that I, I looked like basic me, is what he said. He said, you look like basic you. This isn't anything new. And I was like, okay, good. If this is good, then I just know that we're good. This is probably what's happening every fucking trip. <laughs> if, if I do anything, this is probably what's happening. So it's it's just, they're all so nice over there. Man. Very nice. They're all so nice. They don't even know me, and they're very nice to me. Evan Fox is in the goddamn WWE 2K game. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Evan I forgot to mention that to Corey, too. Play the clip. How about that? Oh, nice. Evan Foxy's even getting a drop in the goddamn WWE 2K game. Yeah, so <laughs> what you heard there was uh, Corey Graves mm -hmm. taking a shot at Pat mm -hmm. for me, mm -hmm. and that's what they do every time we're with them. All of them are very nice to me, and somehow they find a way to take a shot at Pat and make Pat feel bad. They do. That's really what they <laughs> do. so funny. They do it on a very so regular funny. basis. I, after we stopped by this place called Mastro's, which if you oh. ever get a chance to go to one, go. It was incredible. It was incredible. Mm. It was the most outrageous place I've ever been <laughs> in my entire life. There's, a, It was just outrageous. Good piece of meat. It was. This is the picture you took of the thing on your plate with yeah. the little 18-ounce bone-in filet. Oh, come on. 18-ounce bone-in yeah. filet cooked to perfection. There, we didn't set a reservation. AQ is like, you got to go to Mastro's. The people at the country club are like, you got to go to Mastro's. Yep. So everybody was telling us we had to go to Mastro's. Best steak in Arizona. Some guy was like, maybe the best steak in the West Coast, yeah. somebody was saying, right? So we're like, all right, we're going to go there. The after. cows were getting massages oh. and all that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I have no idea if they got a spa day. Something is happening. For these. It's, they're talking it up, though. They're like, this is the place you have to go. So after the takeover, mm -hmm. it ends early, right? Because we're in two hours behind. So we have a couple hours, and I hadn't eaten all goddamn day. So I'm starving, right? And I'm like, we got to go to the Mastro's place. We got to go to the Mastro's place. So we hop into the Hemi, you know, hop into Charger with the Hemi. We travel through the fucking desert, like forever, maybe to the next town. <laughs> That's what it felt like. We went over to Scottsdale. <clears throat> And we head into Mastro's, and we just assume we'll sit at the bar. We'll just mm -hmm. sit at the bar. It's two of us. It shouldn't be that hard or whatever. We walk in, and the place is just packed. Mm -hmm. Bar packed. Just like standing room only almost. So we walk down, and there's a uh, like a busboy with an incredible mustache. Yep. Incredible mustache. <laughs> His name is Miguel. And I go, uh, I go, is there anywhere to sit? And he goes, I think over there. Run. 
And I go, what? <laughs> he goes, I think over there, run. I was like, which one? He goes, the one without reservation on it. I'm like, I fist bump him. I'm like, thank you, man. So we run over there. We get to the table. It's the only two top table open in the whole place. Mm-hmm. I sit down. As soon as I sit down, this lady comes up and goes, you can't sit here. Oh, and I'm like, <laughs> oh, no. I'm like, are you sure? She goes, yeah. I go, Miguel told me that it's okay. And she goes, who? I go, Miguel. And she goes, Timo, she says. Ooh, I oh. go, yeah, yeah, Timo said I could sit here. And she had a party of three with her girls that I think were her friends. Uh-huh. Oh. So it was like, she was like, as soon as I find a table that opens, I'll get you guys in there. But yeah. me and Foxy, because Timo sent us over there, got there first and we're athletic. So we sat down. Like, I'm sitting at the table. Oh, yeah. just, just sit down. And she goes, you got to, she has like a, a suit on almost. She's like, oh, you have to get up. This table's already taken. I was like, uh, whatever. So we have the whole team. She goes and talks to this guy named Eddie. She goes and talks to a guy. I just talked to Eddie. You can't have this table, but we'll figure it out for you. I'm like, thank you. Tell Eddie I said thank you, mm-hmm. you know? And Timo, thank you. And she's like, okay, you got it. So we go stand with Timo. I'm wearing the jort suit that I wore in the takeover <laughs> thing. Everybody in there is in goddamn. They're in full. Right. Yeah. Everybody's suits decked out. decked out. I got the jorts on. We're just standing at like the head of the bar next to goddamn Timo. And we're just trying to figure it out. And Eddie comes up and he's like, I got you guys. Eddie's like 25 years old, mm-hmm. has a suit on. Yep. I'm thinking he's just like a busboy or something. He's like, I got you guys. I got you guys. I'm like, thank you, man. He's just hold tight. I'm like, you got it. So I look at Miguel. I'm like, good guy. He goes, great guy. And I'm like, okay. And I fist bump Timo again. And Eddie goes behind the bar. He talks to the bartender. And I think he probably asked, like, is anybody at the bar about to leave? And the bartender's like, no. He's like, can we move somebody? And he's like, uh, yeah, this is a pretty good group over here. So Eddie comes over to this group over there, moves the group out, puts them at a table, moves them and puts them at a table at a restaurant and has us sit. We're at the head of the bar now. So we nice. are at the head of the bar. Perfect spot. Two prime positions. And Eddie's like, I got you. I was like, Eddie. My motherfucking nice. man. So I, I give Eddie a hundred, obviously. There you go. I, I give Eddie a hundred. I give Timo a hundred, right? Because I think boy. he's friends with him. So I sit down at this thing and we just start looking around. And this is the most ridiculous place we've ever been in our entire life. It was. The whole place was just like whose dick is bigger. Exactly. It was just on both sexes, by the way. People watching paradise. <laughs> People watching paradise there. And we're just having a good time. The bartender comes up, his name's Phil. He's got a good beard. I'm like, Yeah, you're you're my CFO, basically. Uh this is you are you look exactly like Phil Maines. Uh, I was like Phil, this place is pretty cool. Huh? He's like, yeah, you've never been here before? I'm like, no. He's like, oh, you're going to love it. I was like, okay. Mm-hmm. So we get a couple waters, a, a couple beers or whatever, and we sit there, and this other bartender comes over. His name's Christian. Yep. Bald head, he's Argentinian. Big guy, right? And he's hugging every person that leaves, hugging a kiss, male or female, right next to me, right? So he comes over, talks, I'm like, who the fuck are you? You know, like, real question, like, who the fuck are you? He's like, oh, I've been here like 15 years. I'm like, oh, by the time we leave here, I'm getting a goddamn hug and a kiss. (laughs) So that's what I said to him, right? So we give a fist bump or whatever. Eddie comes back. He's like, hey, anytime you guys need anything from us, here's my cards. I'm like, this guy has no idea who we are. Mm -hmm. We had to have looked so different in there that he was like, I don't know who these people are. Yes. I don't have a fucking clue who they are, but there's somebody. So Eddie gives us his card. He's the fucking general manager. <laughs> nice. Eddie's the fucking general manager. So I like, I'm like Eddie, my fucking man. Like, what's up, dude? I, or manager or general manager, one or the other. Yeah. So I fist bump him and I ask him, I'm like, who? Like, how'd you get here? How'd you start? He was like, well, originally I was a bus boy and then a bar back mm. and then a bartender and then now I'm the manager or whatever. He said, we just try to take care of people or whatever. I was like, that is so nice of you. Why'd you do that? And he said, who are you? So he asked me who I was, and I saw him look me up on his phone. And then from that moment forward, it was just like we were the, the, the lady who kicked me out of the seat. She came over and gave me like a couple cards. <laughs> yeah. like all this stuff. And everybody, they were like, everybody was just so fucking nice to us. We was, knew everyone, and Eddie gave us a butter cake. Eddie gave which, us a free uh, butter cake, which was, was a dessert. Damn. I mean, it was just like, 
And they like gave, got a hug and a kiss on the way out. Nice. From the Argentinian? Uh, from the Argentinian. Yeah. It was just, it was awesome. It was a, a magical place. <laughs> really good. So then we head back, and Corey Graves, Sam Roberts, and a couple other WWE people were at a bar that's like right next to our hotel. So we stopped by there, say what's up. And there was, in this process of WWE, there's a lot of people that work for WWE. A lot of people. So I'm meeting new people literally every time because you, mm -hmm. got, you got stagehands, you got producers, you got camera people, you got editors, you got, you got everybody there. It's a whole universe in and of itself. So there's three people I know at the table and then two people that I don't. So I'm trying to make, I'm trying to be nice to the company that I'm about to maybe do some work with. I try, in, in general, I like to talk to everybody. So the one guy I shake his hand, he has an incredible beard. Yep. Incredible beard. I shake his hand, I go, man, great face, right? That's what I say, a great face, a little laugh. I walk around to the other side, I shake the, the other guy's hand. I'm like, nice to meet you. We talk, we're chit-chatting. They're having a good time. And all of a sudden, the, the one guy that I shook his hand, I'm like, uh, they're like, he plays professional baseball. I'm like, oh, you're professional. I play baseball too, you know? <laughs> I was like, I'm also a professional baseball player, just like, you know, trying to spur a conversation. Uh -huh, right. He goes, I go, what position do you play? He says, fourth fourth base or something. I was like, oh, okay. I thought he was maybe like a DH or something like that. Uh -huh. I didn't know what that meant. He's having dinner with WWE people, so he must be a big deal in my head. I'm like, this guy, big deal. He goes to the bathroom, and I'm like, who the fuck is that guy, you know? And they're like, uh, he's married to Jen Sturger. I was like, I don't know who Jen Sturger is. They explained to me who Jen Sturger is. Mm -hmm. So immediately I have questions. Immediately I have questions <laughs> all of a sudden. You can Google what Jen Sturger is. It's, it's an interesting situation. So he comes back, and I'm like, man, I got a couple questions, you know? Because if he's married to her and he's eating dinner with WWE people, he must be a big fucking deal is what I'm thinking. I'm like, I want to get to know this guy, mm -hmm. right? So I ask him a couple questions. I'm like... You play fourth base. Are you like a, a big time here? He's like, yeah, you know, whenever you play T-ball, like that's what it's like for me every day. I'm like, oh, this guy's a fucking huge hitter. All right. <laughs> this guy's a big time. Hitter. I was like, who do you play for? He was like, uh, the Arizona Diamondbacks or whatever. Uh -huh. And then he was, he, he said, uh, he started in Fort Wayne. I said, for the tin caps, I threw an opening pitch there, skipped that thing in there. <laughs> and he like laughed or whatever. It was like one of those moments. He was like, oh, you said you had another question. Where I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm just, I'm just, who the fuck are you? Like, I'm just trying to figure out who the fuck you are, you know? And I guess he got up and left there shortly afterwards because the night was kind of ending. We shook hands on the way out, yeah. though. And all of a sudden, Sam Roberts and Corey Graves are like, were you trying to fight that guy? <laughs> Corey was crying, laughing Corey, so hard. Corey was crying, laughing. He was like, you just, you literally just alphaed the fuck out of that guy. I was like, what yep. are you talking about? He was like, you saw that another professional athlete was hanging out with us and you were trying to make him feel bad about how he was as a professional athlete. <laughs> Why didn't you just tell him that you kicked off a Super Bowl, Pat? I was like, what are you talking about? And Sam Roberts like, yeah, the tension was so real, the guy left. <laughs> Sam was like, the guy left. And I was like, what are you talking about? They were like, you were trying to punk that guy. I was yep. Like, no, I was literally just trying to learn about this fucking guy. They're like, well, maybe you could have smiled or something. I was like, that's just how I talk. That's just literally, that's just how I talk. And they were like, oh, yeah, you, what, a, what a shitty person you are. They, they like went in on me. I was like, this is what I was talking about. They just piled it up. I was like, no way. So we walk back to the hotel. It was like a four minute walk or whatever. And outside, they're like, this is what happened. They start impersonating oh, it what was happened. So funny. They're like, first, you said he had a nice face. You remember that? Oh, nice face, you said to him. I'm like, no. And then you said, and then whenever he said he played baseball, you're like, I play baseball too. I was like, no, it was a joke. I'm like, you guys are taking it all out of context. They're like, no, we, the tension was there. I was like, no, it wasn't. Turns out his name's Cody Decker. I followed him on the Twitter. He followed me back. 
So he, I think he thinks we're friends, which I thought I thought we were going to be friends. Hey, I thought it too. They asked me, like, Evan, what do you think? I'm like, I'm around Pat all the time. Like, I didn't think twice that he was trying to punk this guy. I, I was trying to go in on that. I was trying to learn about just this just ask questions. That's I, all. I thought he was maybe like the, the white big poppy yeah. or whatever. <laughs> like, I thought he was a homer. Is he a catcher? What was the fourth base? I have no idea. That's I, what I thought too, Todd. I thought the have same Have you heard thing. that before, Ty? I think uh, he's got to be a catcher. Yeah, in terms I would of catching, catcher. He, he doesn't play catcher, though. Huh. I think he was just fucking with. Yeah. It's a joke, and his, I yeah. think he was trying. I'm looking him up here. I think he was trying to be modest and humble because he's not a great player. Yeah, that's what I think so too. He's like a triple A player. Oh, okay, ah. okay. But I honestly, I was just trying to learn about the guy. I don't know much about baseball, but what they were telling me whenever he <laughs> went to the bathroom, I'm like, oh, I'd like to know about this guy, right? So I'm just asking him questions, and then all of a sudden, Sam and Corey are like, "You're a terrible person." <laughs> I'm like, I didn't think so at all. We shook hands on the way out. It was so fun. Corey yeah. was in tears, crying, laughing, and that's then right after, such a funny scenario because this is how you do it. Because he could be like a four time Golden Glove, and you know, I won't know that. Because I, I don't follow baseball. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In my head, I'm thinking this guy is like a baseball MVP, possibly like a candidate. And he was pretty big. Like he, it was very, very, very he possible. Was really good in college. I'm like, look, this guy's fucking a Houston Astro. Maybe I don't even know who. Uh. He, I don't know who this guy. I don't know if he's a World Series MVP. I have no idea who he is. So I was just asking questions in the yeah who who the fuck are you was a real that was a real question You're like oh you tried to alpha him I'm like no I did not I did not and they made me feel they were digging they were like you should feel terrible about yourself I'm like Sam why do you always do this to me man why do you always try to make me feel like a terrible human. He does. I, I, it was. Uh, hey, even you did his podcast. Was that Friday night? Just try to bury me the whole time. <laughs> just brought up the Mark Henry story. He just brought up the Mark Henry thing the whole time about how uh, terrible I should feel about it. I'm it like, Sam, I'm happy everybody's bashing on the internet. <laughs> but it was, it, was a hilarious, it was a hilarious scene out there in Phoenix. And that was where the owner of the place. So right after that happens... So while we're leaving, mm. the owner and his son talk to me. So now Corey watches this happen. So that just throws. <laughs> you're talking about just throwing gas yeah, on the fire. I mean, it was next level. I'm like, I just want to get home. I just want to get back to the hotel. That's all <laughs> and then we get in the hotel and somebody screams at me from across the lobby. It was just a whole nother. It was a nightmare. It's a fucking nightmare. What's the most interesting thing you found out about Sam Roberts? Like, I couldn't believe it. Like anything like that on him? No, he's, he's an interesting cat. He is. He's sober. He's 100 percent sober. Yeah. He's got that beard on him now. I mean, he's just a. He's a good guy. He, he. I honestly enjoy him, except for the fact that he always tries to make me feel terrible <laughs> about whatever I do. <laughs> I was trying to become friends with that kid. I was that Cody Decker guy. Right. They didn't even know his name. One person called him like Chad. I think. <laughs> these people were sitting with him for an hour. They didn't even know his name, and I'm the disrespectful one. Wait a minute. I'm trying to learn about this guy. It was a good time though. It was a. I enjoy I enjoy the WWE group of humans mm -hmm. that I get to see, man. They're very I, now. Granted, I I don't know probably ninety percent of the company still. Ninety percent of the company. There's I, a lot of them. I have no idea who any of them are, but the group that I deal with on mm -hmm. the takeover shows, they're so nice. We're talking about the camera people. We're talking about everybody there is just so fucking nice. It's awesome. It's absolutely awesome. I mean, with the exception of like actual players, they probably employ almost as many people as the NFL, don't they? It is. It's its own town of people. It, it it's a circus, right? Yeah, just pick up, move from city to city. But you think about their stages 
in the setup of shit that they put. Now, granted, Royal Rumble had none. They just had insane graphics. Right. Well, they had that big stage or the big thing over the ring that had the lights and the tea. They built a jumbotron in the middle of the mm-hmm. fucking yeah. thing. WrestleMania. I mean, in New Orleans, that was it's insane. It's like a hundred yards long. Like they have be- the people that they employ are top of the line in everything. Even what are, what's it called? The people that roadies, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. They build things. Mm-hmm. The roadies at WWE have they have to piece together things that nobody else has to put together. They have mm-hmm. to put together stages that can lift and gain and this and that and back. They they have a four K jumbotron that is split up into like 45 pieces that they have to put together with zero i mean it's just it's all the people that work there but there's a huge crew of them man they and they just travel around the country all year round just putting uh, putting on shows putting on shows man it's awesome what a life who was that wrestler that came on your set Um, bobby fish bobby fish i didn't like bobby fish bad guy or good guy (laughs) with the bell you're not supposed to like bobby fish that's uh that's a very good that's a classic uh gorman take right there that is a (laughs) That is a yeah. He was Bobby Fish. He's a part of the Undisputed Era, which is probably one of the best factions in all of uh, factions in all of wrestling right now. They're a good group. They're a solid, mm-hmm. solid group in there. Bobby Fish showing up with that goddamn bell that was electric. Yeah, he helped you get the shorts up. I could yeah, because uh-huh. he mentioned he mentioned the jorts, and I hadn't brought them up yet, and I haven't talked about them yet. Yeah. It was clutch. So I, was I had like, no oh, idea Bobby. what else to do. Yeah. So I just stood up. <laughs> I couldn't you see, see him. one of these before. I couldn't see him either because he was through Sam Roberts' big fro. I couldn't even see where he was at. So he was saying things. I couldn't even see him. I'm like, I per- perfect even... wrestling goodbye, though, to Bobby Fish. Take a high. Take a high. I didn't know if we were still on because the countdown in my head had already hit one. Yeah. So I was like, oh, we must be off. And then it, it turned out after watching it, snuck like literally right to a commercial break almost. Take a hike right to a commercial break. They're a talented bunch, though. That. The show they put on afterwards? Incredible. So good. Incredible what they do. It's incredible. And a man bites somebody's toe at one point. Yeah. In the middle of a match. <laughs> Cash is on Desperate times call for desperate measures. Exactly what I said was going to happen. Yep. Bit his damn toe. He would have got the water. <laughs> That's what I was trying to say the whole goddamn time. That's what I was trying to say the whole goddamn time. So you're going back to Arizona is what I'm, I'm, I'm gathering. Hey, I like that place out I there. I loved it. I liked it. It was, now granted, they are in the fucking death. Yeah, I would never have thought about the sandblasting effect on everything. Everything, man. You know, because I'm real. sure they get high winds. Mm-hmm. Got lots of sand to blow against shit to wear it down. Mm-hmm. The people were awesome, though, man. Great people. People were very nice. Everywhere we went, people were very, very nice. Casinos out there. I know. We're, believe me, we looked it up. Yeah. We, <laughs> we looked it up. It was like a 25-minute drive or something. It was yep. like, yeah, we didn't have... All these trips, I never have really time. The fact that we got golfing with AQ is insane. That was awesome. Because that never happens. Normally, it's like as soon as we get somewhere, something, 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 sleep. Wake up, something, something, something. We don't even eat normally. No. Mm-hmm. Something, 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 sleep. So it was nice to get a little golfing, but mm-hmm. the people were fucking awesome. Really cool stuff. And then I got home, watched Royal Rumble, uh, passed out, woke up today, almost got T-boned. By a yeah, how'd How this happen? That? 90-year-old lady. On my way in, I'm driving into work. Pendleton Pike is a road that I travel up and down often. It's a it's a hit and run specialty that mm-hmm. plays. It's always on the news for hit and runs. I don't know why. It's just there's some murders in the area too. It's not a great road. It's not a great part of town. <laughs> right. But I travel it every day. Two lanes up, two lanes back with a middle turning lane, right? So that's kind of like purgatory there. You can turn left into a shopping plaza, turn right into a, a strip club, turn left into a uh, a parking lot. Anything you need to do. So that lane. Is normally used. Uh, I'm heading down. 
I'm heading south on Pendleton Pike in the left lane, leading a wolf pack of probably seven to eight cars. I'm going 53 to 55 miles an hour. Speed limit is 45. I'm in the left lane. There is somebody pulling out of a shopping plaza in a purple Kia that is turning, going to turn in the same direction that I'm currently going. But in my head, you're going to use the middle lane, which is the standard move, wait for traffic to break up and go. Used very often on this street because you never know where the traffic's going to be. It is a standard operation. Turn into the middle lane, wait for traffic, and then guide in. I'm floating, and this purple Kia stays parallel with the middle lane. I'm like, well, it's going to be an aggressive turn. Parallel, uh, perpendicular to the turning lane, and then just rolls right through there, straight in front of my car, straight in front of my car, no thought of turning left. Like, no thought of even starting traffic. There's no driveway to the right that she could be turning into, nothing. So I slam on my brakes, hit the horn, turn right, drift, hit the curb, hit the curb, bounce up onto it, go around her, back into the left lane. Wow. And I think if that hadn't happened, she would have never turned left. I think she was going straight the entire time. (laughs) She turns left, ends up in the right lane next to me. We're at a, a, like, going up to a red light, so slowing down. So I look over, I'm like, what the fuck? You know, like, what just happened? She goes, I'm sorry, and then puts her hand up, like, don't even look at me. Can't look at me, me. 90-year-old lady, and then she bears right. There's, like, a turning lane where she just bears right. Minivan behind me pulls up next to me and goes, did you get that bitch's license plate? <laughs> and I was like, no, man. I don't even think she knew where she was at is what I said to him, you know? And he was like, are you Pat? I was like, yeah. He said, I've seen you do incredible things on and off the field, but that driving maneuver back there, you almost hit me. You almost hit me, but that was crazy. I was like, thanks, man. You know, and we just kind of went on our way. But literally, that would have been a huge collision. She Oh. My truck is a large yeah, one. Yeah, she if, lost. Do you think you would have took it like a monster truck just <laughs> right over? Right up over. Oh, I don't geez. know. I honestly don't know, man. <laughs> that lady should not be on the road, though. She, yeah, she just no. had enough. She was I like, thought look she out, would, world, I'm coming. I think there was a chance she was trying to potentially kill herself. I, I honestly Could think be. there was a she chance. Would've. I, she would have. I've never seen anything like it because there's no... She's coming this way. There's nowhere to go over here. And she is still straight whenever she's in my lane, which is the left lane out of two lanes. So what is she going to do? Do a complete turn this way? Like, what was she trying to stop traffic? I have no idea. What she, but she definitely saw me. And that's a big truck. But Ari Line like, taught me how to drive. She was for <laughs> sure sending a text. You think so? Yeah. Maybe a tweet. A 90-year-old? Yeah, yeah. That's the problem. You old people, <laughs> texting and driving is a real problem. Real problem. When you're on a motorcycle, you realize that because you have to watch the driver, not the car. Right. Uh-huh. And whenever you're in a, on a motorcycle, I don't want to say you older people because I think you two are tech savvy. But the older generation texting, the ones that are making the laws and whether or not people should be texting and driving or not, yeah. are the worst texting and driving humans on fucking earth. And it's not even a close second. I don't know about 90, though. Maybe she was just adjusting the level of her oxygen tank or something. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I I felt, I, I had like a little bit of like, uh, I had like some real like energy about Adrenaline. Me. Oh, yeah, yeah. I was like, adre- I was like, holy shit. Because my front end like jumped up onto the curb. I mean, it. Ju- I thought my fu- my tires were going to be fucked. So if you're in a small car, you're fucked. I think so, yeah, because I hit that curb. Yeah. The curb was a real would've curb. Would have fucked right? your car all up. Yeah. I, it but been- don't you agree with this? Like right after that was over and you're like, oh, nobody died. I'm okay. That feeling you get for that brief like three seconds, if you could fucking bottle, bottle that uh, oh, and sell it on the street, God, it's the best feeling flight, in the world. Bro. Yeah. You know, during that moment, though, I also had a guy next to me go, did you get that bitches? <laughs> <laughs> 
guy was awesome, man. That was a cool <laughs> moment. Cool moment. But my shit might not be able to work, though. I mean, my tire might have just slowly oh, went out. That would be the worst. I mean, I hit that thing probably going 35 miles an hour. Might need an alignment. I, I assume right. well, that's a big ass truck with big ass tires with big ass suspension. I think you're pretty good. Yeah, but 35 miles an hour hitting like uh, probably yeah. a eight inch curb, maybe Oof. eight inch Yikes. curb. Yeah. That yeah. thing was real. You'll, I felt it too. You'll I, know tomorrow. And I'm a big time seatbelt wearer, you know, so everybody knows that. <laughs> so that would have been quite a fucking scene, dude. It was wild. Hey, everybody hated that Pro Bowl, by the way. Yeah, it did not get a very good response. Bad. This is the worst response I've ever heard mm-hmm. from, uh, and we didn't even get to watch it because we we're like, nah, traveling, basically. I was just keeping up with it on the internet. Mm-hmm. People are not happy with the Pro Bowl. Why? It worked. Ezekiel Elliott was playing corner. Jalen Ramsey was playing wide receiver. I mean, what do you want these guys to do? They're I not- think a skills challenge. I've been saying this yeah, for a long not time. Get rid of the game. Get rid of the game. I, the skills challenge is something. We talked about this in the car yesterday. Yeah. And I think I've been saying this for a long time. Everybody's grandstanding on the internet that they have some genius idea on how to fix the Pro Bowl. And it all revolves around skills contests of some sort. But I think you pay everybody that made the Pro Bowl 20 grand. Okay. Pay them twenty grand. Have them go to the Pro Bowl site. Mm-hmm. Do media. Do media for the NFL. Do media. Have a radio row just like there is for Super Bowl. Congratulations, these guys made the Pro Bowl representing the NFL. Mm-hmm. Then have a questionnaire for every guy that gets voted in the uh, to the Pro Bowl. Okay. If we were to have a forty yard dash contest, would you want to be a part of it and try? It's okay if the answer is no. Right. But then put some money on it. Be like, okay, here's an extra fifteen grand if you do the 40-yard dash contest. Oh, yeah. Then you can have the long throw contest by the quarterbacks. They don't have to sign up for it. But right. if they're willing to do it, here's an extra fifteen grand for this. Mm-hmm. Have an uh, uh, eating contest maybe by the offensive linemen, defensive linemen. Just turn it into a series of things that people who have signed up to say, yes, we'll try to do. And also a flag game. A flag game. Field one team from mm-hmm. the entire NFL mm-hmm. Pro Bowl. Have them play against that NFL Network flag football team champion yes. and put a million dollars on the line for it and just have um, it be flag football and have the only people that are playing in that are the people that filled out the questionnaire yes I'll try mm-hmm. so like if Patrick Mahomes says yeah I'll try have him be the quarterback for the flag football team if Tyreek Hill says yeah I'll try have yeah. him out there if he doesn't want to do it no worries don't feel bad at all don't mm-hmm. even have to put out a fake effort out there just field a team of people that have answered questionnaires yeah I'll try to this yeah I'll try to this yeah I'll try to this mm-hmm. and then you just have a weekend of entertainment basically as opposed to a weekend of half entertainment and then a game that always disappoints yeah always disappoints you know that would be such a better product such a better product i think it could be entertaining yeah i think it would just be entertaining it would be fun to watch by the way the precision contest i think the way they piece that together with like the american gladiator looking Mm -hmm. shit that was like the best part awesome yeah uh, let those people who are creative just start thinking of ideas for big men throwing throwing the football yeah Mm-hmm. I, the high score was 19 by Russ Wilson. I think right. I could beat that. My next question: Could you think, beat that? You I, had fours that were sitting there. You can only hit them once. But the that's thi- eight points right out of the gate. Because I just talked about it on the previous podcast. That I asked if I could do the right. precision passing thing. Mm-hmm. They said no, and that's ultimately why I decided not to do it because <laughs> I wasn't going to not walk because of my knee injury. But then whenever Thielen was doing it, and Von Miller, I was getting thousands of tweets from people I'm like, sure. you see this? Do you see this? Yep. Thielen looked good, by the way. I thought Thielen looked good. Von Miller didn't perform great. Ugh. You could see that he could throw the ball a little eh, bit. Short arm but, man, that would be a lot of fun to get on that course. Yeah. They should think about having that somewhere for people to pay and go mm-hmm. do. Like, that would be a lot of fun to be And if able- you're a quarterback, don't shit in your cleats. Andrew Luck. I mean, that was bad, man. I, I mean, didn't see it. I mean, he, he was did not the precision. Public. He had yeah. five points. I mean, he couldn't hit the bull and ass with the banjo. I mean, he could what not. What do you mean he had five points? He, he outscored Von points. Miller by three. 
Yeah. Andrew Luck did? Yeah, yeah. It was not pretty. Not pretty. It was ugly, man. I mean, he was yeah, But he won the good hands contest with Ebron mm-hmm. and Juju. So. Yeah. yeah. Well, you're paid to throw the By ball. the way, I would like to do that, too. I'd like to do the good hands contest, too. A lot of body catching on his one-handed catches by people. <laughs> mm-hmm. A lot of body catching. You just got to go out there and fucking snag that thing. But you got to, you got to, I think they got to send out a questionnaire. Like, would you try if we were to do this? Because I think you'd get a real 40-yard dash contest because there's a lot of guys that take a lot of pride sure. in being faster than other people. That is, uh, and that's something that happens in the football world. If somebody's faster than somebody else, it's like, well, line up then. That's the only, it is very, it's a very regular thing. Maybe do the 225 bench thing again. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. For the D-lineman, whenever Cuzzy did it 50 sometimes or whatever back in the day from the Cowboys, they're still running that viral. All you're trying to look for is viral content. Yeah. Yep. Have the kickers do a, uh, uh ESPN around the world contest mm-hmm. or a distance contest. Have the punters do the same thing. You can make up contests that could involve everybody. You just have to ask people on whether or not they'll try. And if you get enough people to say yes, do it. And if not, don't do it. Mm-hmm. I just don't understand. You keep track of the scores and the times and all the events and you keep them as records. You know, this and is the record. But in the 40 the yard dash, that could be primetime TV like the Olympics. Yeah. You should put that yeah. in, have qualifying rounds, right. and then have the fucking Olympics mm-hmm. there at the end. Have it covered exactly like a. But give, yeah. it, like, give it like 60 grand to the winner, something yeah. that makes a difference, 100 yeah. grand or something that these guys are hauling ass. Yeah, I think so. I think you give them like, hey, the fastest person will win a hundred thousand dollar grand prize. That's something that makes everybody want to try yeah. and, and it, watch too. Well, you know? and the issue is the issue is nobody wants to get hurt. Nobody wants to hurt anybody else. Right. And everybody just is like, yeah, we're here strictly because hey, it's cool. It's cool to be voted as a pro bowler, which I think you could still do. You do the media being a pro bowler. You just don't do the game. Mm-hmm. But also, nobody gives a fuck, man. There's nothing on the line. Nope. There's literally nothing on the and line. The, the weather was horseshit. The yeah. weather's terrible. God. The last one in Orlando for a couple of years, they said. It's a real shame. Glad you're alive and hi, Pat. Me too, man. It's great to see you guys. That's it for today. We are so thankful you choose to listen. Big thanks to Coach Pagano. Uh, we didn't really get to dig that deep. Uh, we did, actually. We dug real deep. Oh, yeah. Didn't get many... Ah, there's so much more. I hope he comes back on. We'll see how it goes. Big thanks to Chuck. Big thanks to you all. Uh, yeah, we'll be down in Atlanta starting tomorrow and then live on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Come fucks with us. We're just trying to have a good time at the biggest game of all time. Let's hope for overtime so we can get some free wings for America from myself, Nick Todd. Old Gorman. I almost called you Gruden. Gorman, <laughs> Ty Schmidt, Evan Foxy, and everybody else here in the Heartland PMI offices. We appreciate you. Ty Schmidt hit. Oh, no. Let's do a hashtag end game. Hashtag end game. Hashtag end game. Hashtag end game. I think we're going to come out with like four or five, maybe even six St. Patty Day shirts. We'll give you one of each. If Ooh. you send us a picture of or video of the lady's car that almost killed you. There it is. Oh, the 90-year-old lady. <laughs> the reenactment of the situation. It can either be it can either be how I acted whenever it happened, how the lady acted over Evan, or how the accident could have looked. Best one in Evan Foxy's eyes mm-hmm. wins at least one shirt from each each of our shirts from the St. Patty's Day nice. line. Yep, we said. Nice. So thankful for all you. Ty Schmidt, hit the music. Yeah.
Welcome to Atlanta, jacking hammers and bows. Back to the mackin' and jacking the clothes. Adolescents packing a foe. A knock on the door. Who is it? I would happen to know the one with the flow. Who did it? It was me, I suppose. JD in the rolls and looters in the cut supreme. Skating down old Nat, tucked and lean. I split your spleen. As a matter of fact, I split your team. No blood on the sneaks, gotta keep it so my kicks is clean. I get the cream. Cops see me flick my beans. I'm allergic to doc prescribed antihistamines. Oink, oink, pig, pig, do away with the pork. Only silver, I need a steak knife and a fork. Did you forget your manners? I'm Bruce with banners. Ludacris, Johnny Rockets when I shoot the cannon. The woolly mammoth saber tooth. Bite your tongue, I won't stop until I'm rich as the whites will come I pull up in a black lotus, your plaques are bogus So I strip them off the wall, waiting for my cue to corner pocket eight balls You racking them up, I'm big paper like pancakes stacking them up In fact, I'm slapping them up, Cadillac is a truck I can't lose with 22, that's what's up Running in the back, the better than the aqueduct Chilling in the in 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 Welcome to Atlanta where the players play And we ride on them things like every day Big beats hit streets, see gangsters roaming And parties don't stop till 8 in the morning Welcome to Atlanta where the players play And we ride on them things like every day Big beats hit streets, see gangsters roaming And parties don't stop till 8 in the morning Now the party don't start till I walk in And I usually don't leave until the thing is But in the meantime, in between time You work your thing, I work mine I've been putting it down here since 83 Since the Lake Show MD rivalry When frozen pad ice was the place to be If you was riding, you was bumping the homie shot D I'm the MVP, most ballin' player uh-huh. Make my own rules, call me the mayor Monday night, gentlemen's club Tuesday night, I'm up in the velvet room Get Wednesday, I'm at Stroker's on lean Thursday, jump clean, then I fall up in cream Friday, shop bar, Kaya with Frank Ski Right on the floor is where you can find me Saturday, here's off the heezy for sheezy You can find me up in one tweezy Sunday, here's when I get my sleep in Cause on Monday, we be at it again Holla, yo, 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 Welcome to Atlanta where the players play And we ride on them things like every day Big beats hit streets, see gangsters roaming And parties don't stop till 8 in the morning Welcome to Atlanta where the players play And we ride on them things like every day Big beats hit streets, see gangsters roaming And parties don't stop till 8 in the morning Welcome to Atlanta where the players play And we ride on them things like every day Big beats hit streets, see gangsters roaming And parties don't stop till 8 in the morning Welcome to Atlanta where the players play And we ride on them things like every day Big beats hit streets, see gangsters roaming And parties don't stop till 8 in the morning